Hi. <laughs> I've committed. It's the thing. Welcome to episode 14. 14, 14 yeah, today. 14. 14. Episode for the dead. That's four, eight. Episode 12. for the dead. This, this is episode for the dead. Wow. For, Jesus Christ. I'm going to start over. Hold on. I'm in all. It's fine. No, it's that's perfect, right now. man. It's medicine for the dead. Go. Wait, 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 Rolling. Wait. I can... No, go ahead and reintroduce it, but leave it all on the podcast. Oh, I'm going to do yeah, that too, yeah. yeah. Did, you, did you catch the double ending on the last oh, one? <laughs> so, episode 14 of Medicine for the Josh's of Dickheads. And, uh, <laughs> crushed it. Crushed it. And again, Fearless leader. our second. Always scapegoating the Jews for your <laughs> fucked up intro. That's fine. Somebody's got to fall. Um, <laughs> this is our, our second extreme technical difficulty episode mm. where, uh, so Matt has this thing. It's called a headphone amp. For those of you who don't know what it is, I donated it. By the way, don't be an asshole about this. Oh, I'm not. I'm not saying you made it. I'm just saying it's yours. <laughs> You're still blaming me. I made me. it. That's fucked up. I made it. It's my fault. That's fair. It's fair. <laughs> Moving on. Some factory in it. It's Behringer, so like that's a European. Like that, that, I feel like you're closer to being responsible for it than any of the rest of us. I'm going to agree with that. <laughs> Isn't that also a cheap? Whatever wine? logic you need to yes. twist yourself Behringer into. Behringer is also <laughs> a cheap how wine. Does, yeah, how does European make that? He's Jewish, and we're painfully it's American. It's like globalist. It's like the same. I can't even the begin same trope, to tell you pretty much how wrong because that was. Somehow how do you think that, that is wrong? That. I all right, do, all right, kids, calm it, calm it down. Redneck Christian from and I North Carolina. <laughs> anyway, anyway, exactly. Regardless oh, of who, wait, guys, I think made Christian this might already be drunk. And where it came <laughs> from, this piece of equipment does not work anymore. Every it's got eight channels, and what seven of them don't work now? Oh, at, at least, yeah, <laughs> at least. All right. Anyway, so that broke, and fucking everything. Anyway, I'm just gonna say this: I'm the least like audio tech savvy, and for some reason, it's always my fucking headphones. Oh God, I wasn't gonna swear today. Uh, my Wait, headphones. Why weren't you going to swear today? You know, the thing is, it's funny. I was thinking about this. I I don't actually swear much outside of this podcast. <laughs> I have, almost I have really all. dragged him downhill. I got uh, <laughs> and, and it almost the only reason me signing off with good good night, motherfuckers, is the irony of the fact that I actually would never say. But that. nobody gets it's ironic if they well, hear you swear all the time. I don't swear much except for this podcast. Yeah, nobody so. believes you, Christian. I don't well, blame that's you. That's fine. I fucking swear all the time. <laughs> you all fucking right. lie. I mean, so it's not that anyway, anyway, we, we need a anyway. round table. Who, who are we? Who all's here? Do the thing. Do yourselves and I'll come in at the end. Hi. <laughs> that's, that's what she said. Well, count, that's counterclockwise is the thing. Hi, I'm BJ. I'm fucking Christian. That's fucking Ooh, Christian. You definitely are a cousin. <laughs> I'm Matt. Uh, uh, I'm Josh. I was going to let Dr. Cat. No, I know. You know. Even though she's in the round, I wanted to do We should do our guests separate. They're sure. more important than we are. So I feel like it. when you come back the second time, you get to be part of that. Oh, okay. All right. Then so, you're fifth in the round. Yeah. So I hi. I have to introduce myself as Dr. Cat now. Yeah. You can introduce how, what, be who you want to be. Just be who you are. It's okay. Yeah, and today, we have a guest. We do. AJ Howard is here. Hello, everybody. And this is going to be fun because we're in a wood shop. That's also a recording studio, and you're a woodworker. That's also an audio guy and also a musician. So, like, all these things all work beautifully together. Mm -hmm. It's the it's the one degree of separation that makes Baltimore what it is. That is very true. That's a good point. <laughs> Today, we're going to get into the uh, the finer points of the socially sh or social shittiness of the. The Trump administration. How would Matt? How would you sum today's episode? Up? Um, so, so my hope for the episode today is for us to 
maybe get some wider perspective um, on how it felt to be anything other than a cisgendered white male for the last four years, because that's all the four of us can actually offer. Like, that really is true. And, and so my reason for reaching it out... goading aside. Well, yeah, but, but my reason for reaching out to AJ <laughs> um, is that not only... Um, uh, are, do you identify as gay, but you also have a husband, right? And yes, how long have you guys been together? Well, we've been married four years, um, but we've been together 16. Yeah, that's rad. Oh, yeah. So your perspective on not only the last four years, but specifically these recent changes in uh, the Supreme Court and, and, and a lot of um, sort of elemental pushback on equality in that way, I feel is infinitely more valid than anything any of us would have to say. And and I think that that's something that ha we have lacked in 14 episodes. So I wanted to, to have you come and help us speak to that. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll just give you my perspective. I don't, you know, um, if you don't speak for all gay men, you're <laughs> no, not a monolith. Not. Like black voters <laughs> and uh, uh, Southerners. Yeah. Come on. But uh, yeah, it's been an interesting four-year slide. Um, I guess thinking about this, the main thing that I've been thinking about is the idea of erosion. That is to say, rather than a direct, direct attack, it's been this erosion of the foundations of things. And it's, that's, the, that's the big worry, you know? Um, the Supreme Court's a great one, you know, just sort of, eroding that away, not an outright attack, but an erosion of sort of all the gains that have been made. That's, that's the thing that I've seen really happen. Uh, it, and, and what I mean by that is it's, you know, by the acceptance of hate speech, um, the, you know, when the, when the president mocks someone who's disabled, um, when he doesn't come out and say that the Proud Boys are, a hate group and should be reviled, um, that's an erosion. Yeah. You know, he's not actually coming out and saying, oh, gay people should lose their rights or they don't, you know, transgender people don't have, no, he just, he just sort of erodes away civility and then steps back and says, it's not me. Right. That's a really good way to put that. I thought of it like eroding civility. That's really what happened the entire time. In every way. Just right? picking at it like a scab. And, and, and we've discussed that in various other realms, but I think this is the first time we've really hit on how, you know, the LBGTQ community plus community was, was hit during these last four years. Um, I, I, I keep seeing stuff going around where, um, you know, if, if you were comfortable voting for somebody uh, that, that didn't, you know, push you to a point where you were uncomfortable about the next four years, then, then you hadn't, haven't experienced that erosion, right? Like I've seen that kind of the, the, the battle cry of folks who feel like they aren't being heard. Um, I, I, I want to, uh, try and lean this conversation into more than just talking about the, the Trump administration, but I want to focus on that first and the, and how the last four years have gone. Um, and you, you say you guys got married basically at the beginning of all this. What year did you get married? Uh, four years ago. When we were married, oh, God, six. Sorry, six. I oh, man. You're going to be in so much shit. <laughs> I'm going to be in so much trouble. I'm so bad with dates and things. In fact, I made this really nice box that I presented to my husband 
just before we got married, but what he, and he won't listen to this, I hope. <laughs> I'm sure he won't. Don't worry about because it. I, because I engraved the date of our wedding on it, like the day and date. And I can sneak into the bedroom and go, right, okay, that's the date. Because <laughs> I'm well, like so bad. This, at least you didn't get brilliant. the date wrong that's in the box. That's fucking brilliant. <laughs> but, you know, um, yeah, the funny thing was growing up, you know, I, I never – once I sort of went through the whole process of, you know, um, coming to self-acceptance um, and coming out and all of that, even after we had been together for years, we both of us realized that wasn't in our mindset that it was even a possibility. And the, the, the good news is, is that in many respects, the war has been won in the fact that the kids – you know, the age of kids who are able to accept themselves and start to deal with it and go through the process has just dropped faster than anybody could have imagined. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, as a teacher, when I first started teaching 30-something years ago, um, you know, I was actually told by a teacher there are no gay students at an all-boys school. Jesus. Um, we don't have any gay students. That's statistically impossible. <laughs> well, but the thing is, is that when I first started working there, no kids ever came out. So therefore you could say, well, then you have any gay students. And then they would say, well, and you know, sort of the person actually said, well, you know, college that they turn gay in college, like that would be the next thing. And then as time progressed, what we had was we had kids who were accepted at a college, fourth quarter seniors on their way out the door would tell their best friends. Right. And you'd hear rumors that so-and-so told, you know, you'd hear rumors, but you didn't. And then it sort of just progressed. You know, the first kid came out. I just got, um, I just got sort of reacquainted with him via Facebook of all places. Um, Cause I'd been told he had died. I told he had died of AIDS. Um, wow. Wait, what? Yeah. I had asked somebody about him. He was a kid that came out before I was out. Like I hadn't like, done the process yet and this kid came out in high school floored the school and in his senior year he was the first kid to take a same-sex partner to the prom do you mind saying what year that was god i don't you know i'd have to go i have to go i could go look it up on facebook because we even just a a fucking test no no i'm just curious it's in the 90s let's see no let's i can tell you actually because that would be a 90 like 94, 95. Wow. Um, and what happened was the That's school kind of panicked and they didn't, they didn't know what to do. And they kind of froze like a deer in the headlights, which was kind of the best thing they could do. And it ended up being a non-event, you know, as far as some of the kids were all grumbly that my prom's getting ruined and all this. Most kids didn't care, you know, <laughs> it just they were going out there to have a good time and that's what they did. And this kid, you know, went on his way, ended up in California. And, um, you know, and again, I, years later, I went, um, when the school was making some really strides, I asked somebody in development, you know, in, in the, in the school, I said, have you heard about this kid? Where is he? Oh, I heard he died. And I'm like, Oh, you know, like it was just so bummed out. Do, do you he think, was, such a, was he that, was such a brave kid. Do you think that came from some sort of like, 
Like to me, that sounds like some shit you would just say. Like from where I came from, yeah, that's where I was gonna go with it. Too. That would be the thing. Oh, oh, that oh, the gay kid definitely died of AIDS. Like where you know, it, North it really Carolina in the nineties. Yeah, it would yeah, have felt it like really a, probably was that kind of a knee jerk reaction. But I just I didn't think enough to like you know go and investigate like or ask you know other people. Yeah. Um, yeah. But again, just this year, a uh, couple months ago, actually, you know, I was really bored and ended up. Another student, old ex-student of mine, I saw this kid's name. And I'm like, it can't be. I heard, and I said him something. I'm like, are you the one? He's like, yeah, I am. I'm like, you're not dead. And he, we had a good laugh about that. <laughs> <laughs> said, well, how did I die? Was it dramatic? And I said, yeah, it was. It's sad. Like, Jesus. But anyway, yeah. And, you know, but then it was funny because after that, it sort of just like, it got sort of tamped down. But then you had kids coming out a little earlier and a little earlier and it's just sort of a good erosion, you know, it just sort of eroded right. away that old, because the interesting thing is if you look at how society kept LGBTQ plus people down was unlike people of color um, who you isolate, you can't isolate LGBTQ yeah, kids. Not by visual. Yeah, it's not visual. Yeah. You don't know where they are. So what you do is you, you, you set an example that if you make yourself visible, you will be punished, you know, and then you, you sort of spread the word. Like you're not going to have a good, you're going to have a horrible life. You're not going to have any kind of career. We will, if you come out, we will, we will drive you from your job, drive you from your house, drive you from our community. And when they, people who did, they just went to the ghettos. They went to the, the, those population centers where, you know, there were people, but again, it was keep a low profile and, you know, everybody was, you know, it was sort of the caricature of what a gay person was. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, I'm sure I knew lots of gay people, but I grew up thinking I was the only gay kid in the world. Um, and that's sort of where that whole closet thing comes from. But once those doors were broken down and once people became visible, it became it's totally impossible to put the genie back in the bottle. And that's the thing that the right um, we're gonna. I'm gonna try to try to weave us back into our topic. Did you say the, the right or the right? The thing that they don't, <laughs> the thing that they don't get is that um, the genie's already out of the bottle, right? You can't isolate the kids. You can't go back and say, you know, that's bad. Um, I mean, you can, but there's so much of the nation now that's got this kind of that. Like young kids, they don't care. Right. A lot of them yeah. just don't care. I've thought about that too <laughs> when they when they started touting this idea of undoing gay marriages. Like what about motherfuckers who bought houses together? Yeah, and, like the, the fucking the like, shit you have to go through to make dude, that a that thing. Was, that's a near impossible thing to undo because of these weird like extra things we give to married couples. Like you you would have years of taxes you'd have to refile. Like yeah. that's how the whole they that's the whole GOP that? thing, right? Like that's the whole Republican game is like fighting these lost battles. Like, why do we keep litigating the, the shit that's the, already settled? You law? mean like the you know? election? <laughs> like the election, like the fucking civil war, like uh, whoa, Roe v. Whoa. Wade, like all this shit, every single thing that it's over and they keep trying yeah. to go back and like pick at it, like you said, and and try to like relitigate when it's absolutely not necessary. Well, like you it. said, like. You're the point, like no one, no one cares, right? Like that's the is that the well, not sort no of a one. Goal, I this, guess this, this not like no one. I'm, when I say no one cares, people, yeah. No, when I say no one cares, like when if like you said at the dance uh, or, or the prom that uh, your friend had said or the, the person had brought a same sex 
uh, partner to the dance and that some people five right and and that some people didn't care like it, i assume that's Both the kids didn't care they didn't right. they either got ignored right or, yeah they and were that's, like, that's almost the reaction i'd i'd I, I mean correct me if i'm wrong here but that's like a that's the good that's what we want in the end is just for it to be like okay like, yeah yeah yeah, it doesn't it's, affect me. It's not my problem. Like it's cool. a thing like Joe was saying last week, man. Like the, like racism. Like I like I would. I'll go back to like episode two. Let's talk about that movie Crash. And it's like this is fucking stupid because racism is just stupid. Like if somebody's gay, right. like okay, I'm not gonna right. fuck them. Right. Like who? Why, who care? <laughs> why is this? Why are we talking about AJ, this? AJ are all gay people just trying to take straight people and convert them to gay? <laughs> Tell me, it's it's a, yes. <laughs> Only the hot ones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so none of us are in any danger. <laughs> We're safe, sweet. Oh, oh, man. So Wait. I want to. I want to ask a question. And Kat, I don't know if you can speak to this or not. Um, but AJ um, mentioned something about this age of self-realization sort of coming down in the in the popular eye. Can you speak to that from actual brain chemistry at all? Like brain development. Not super well, but like there, there are a number of regions in the brain that are sexually dimorphic. So depending on hormones, they become more or less active. So I can only imagine that it would make sense for someone if they're, um, you know, like everyone talks about like kids growing up faster, going through puberty earlier, like that's a possibility, right? Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you start feeling attraction to someone earlier, you're going to notice those things earlier. Yeah. I think it's safe to say that um, those people weren't going through puberty at like 18 when they were graduating high school. So. Right. But that's, I mean, that's just being brave enough to do something about right, it. Right. Exactly. And yeah. maybe if you are of the mindset of like, oh, I feel this way earlier, you're more comfortable as years go on mm-hmm. to actually do something. Is there any genetic mapping to actual like gay straight kind of stuff? Or is it just sort of <laughs> toss of the coin or like strictly that's- nurtured? Like, I don't, I don't like, I don't know anything about that. I've never really. Um, so a lot of that kind of butts up against ethical lines of like, why would you poke at that? Oh, yeah, I think it's some real specific, um, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> also yeah, to, to dodge that uh, connection. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I said that in a purely scientific curiosity, not in the like Hitler sense of like, let's take the gay people and take them apart and see if they're different. Well, so <laughs> Speaking of vaccines. It, there is some evidence, though, of... Um, so most of this research has been done in animals, but if you have, say, like a sheep or some type of livestock that can have multiple offspring. If two are, let's say you have like one female offspring and two male. Sorry, hold on. Trans here. Somebody's got to say it. Okay, go ahead. Um, The uh, testosterone from the developing male fetuses can influence the develop of the female. So it's also hormonal exposure in utero that can influence brain development, but that isn't necessarily sexuality. It's just brain structure. I do do like that that there is some sort of scientific element Mm -hmm. to that, you know, and also the fact that like more of what I was leaning on was this idea that nobody knows that they're gay until they're you know, in fucking college, which is ridiculous. Like because puberty develops your sexuality, right? Like, or or, Or even earlier on, I don't know. That's a generalization, right? I mean, well, that's, I I can can go devil's advocate on that too, because like, I, I like, like think about like Jake's kid, like the, the presumption it's like for the majority of history, was it like, Oh, kids are just a kid in a phase. And then I guess what they're trying to say with like that, even though it's a shitty line is to say that when you get to college, you're finally old enough to figure out who the fuck you are. Yeah. Even though obviously it happens way before. I mean, Jake's kid, they were, um, 
14, 13? 13, 14, somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I say they well, because I have my own theory on pronouns. <laughs> Maybe let AJ speak to this. No, 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 yeah. it's all right. You are the this expert on the subject matter. I came up with a while ago. And it's as anyone now. I'll, I know all of you guys who are musicians have been up when the sun has risen, correct? Uh, uh, okay, so <laughs> I, I, I put, I put the, I, it's a nice sort of analogy between a sunrise and sexuality. So when you are there and you're and the sun is going to rise, you get a glow in the sky. It's really faint at first, and it gets brighter and brighter and brighter. You don't know what that is. It's something, and it could be a fire. It could be, you don't know. And then at some point the sun breaks the horizon. And for me, that's what I sort of felt sexuality was like, is that you start feeling attractions. You're not sure what it is. And at some point you have that aha moment when the sun breaks the horizon and you go, Oh, I like boys. I like girls. I like both, whatever your preferences, but you have some idea of like, you can put a, a point on it. There's that, yeah. that point when you self-identify and you realize what it is, right. um, you know, and it and it might run counter to all the stuff that you were sort of programmed into, at least especially for old folk like me, when you were little. Um, so there's that, you know, like I can look back and see all of the things I did were not um, gay in far as intent, but I obviously had lots of crushes on male teachers oh, and right. men in my life, you know. But I didn't know what it was. You know, I was just in, you know, elementary school, or late elementary school, and I had my first male teacher, and I thought he was the coolest thing. And, you know, you just really, like, really into it. Um, and I'm sure you guys had women or girls, you know, older girls or whatever, who you, if you were straight men. Nina Ogaz. My third grade teacher, Miss Pickett. I, I, have, for, I have a you moment. Were hot, you were hot for teacher. Yeah, you know? very much um, so. My, I, yeah. my third grade teacher, Miss Pickett, my math teacher, wore an outfit she had on stockings and they had like this little bird on her ankle. And I, I kind of thought I was into birds for a while. That's how hot <laughs> I thought that was. Like it pulled me and I was in third grade. Like what the fuck did I know? It says but, something that you remember that even now. Oh, <laughs> Well, I'm going to ask I mean, out of yeah. the experiential aspect of it that, you know, we're all kind of probably recounting our, our you know, elementary school crushes on our teachers or whatnot at that, that early age. And you said, you know, you didn't know what that was. And I think back to those, you know, innocent, uh, you know, crushes and, no, you know, feeling like I had a pretty good idea of what that was, you know, what that was, but I also, it that's, was completely acceptable. Somebody had reinforced that, that so, constantly. See, that's, that's the nurture part. Yeah. That's yeah. society telling you that, Hey, someday you're going to meet a woman. Oh, look at him. He likes his teacher. Oh, he's in love with his teacher. Yeah. He has a crush on his teacher. It's all very positive and it's all sort of training you for what's to come. Yeah. And, and I think about that. So as a father, raising my two boys, I try really hard not to push that in a certain direction. Um, like I don't ever, I mean, I mean, like it's a given that I wouldn't, 
push back on any sort of feminine characteristics that either of my sons have because that would be that that's tantamount to what if you went what if you push them gay instead of <laughs> well like i do I feel like i'd have some street cred I, don't think that's that. How that works. I feel like i'd have some street cred if i had a gay son then i'd be like see i know what i'm talking about yeah but like but, um, imagine like, i'm some, so sorry some, some weird dude in the south see that, like, you're supposed to tell us how bad we are as humans that's the whole point of having you on this subject. <laughs> no. yeah. uh, i but, find it really funny but i will say that my oldest son uh, has well, I've been a, accused of having feminine characteristics too. So I just have feminine characteristics. I, I, yeah, <laughs> only only because you're so painfully masculine, you can't deal with how like fucking in that's, touch with my feminine that's, side. That's, I am. that's kind of true. I, yeah, I, I, I yeah. started you, this Chris off with saying I don't swear much, and I think. I, I, my language deteriorates in, in an attempt to uh, find uh, masculine commonality or, or, you know. Well, see, and I just, I push back on BJ in a way that just makes him uncomfortable. Are you guys going to be grunting and scratching yourselves and throwing poo? Uh, I mean, uh, if that's day, what yeah. you want us to do, AJ. Hey, baby. <laughs> we haven't posted the after episodes yet, but that's when it gets real. When we're fucking blackout drunk. <laughs> yeah, but that, no, like, so. Getting back to some sort of point. Table saws. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I, I have this. I walk this weird middle line, and I actually like was. But I, I don't mean this in any way offensive, but I was worried, and I hate even saying that that I might be gay when I was younger because. I didn't give a shit about football or basketball or baseball. Um, I liked fucking cars, but that's because they had a way to, you had to figure them out, right? Like, I was way more excited about uh, bands and albums and like elements of music that felt very intimate to me and that was hard to express, right? Um, at least from my, my upbringing, because those were all marks of somebody who wasn't enough of a man, right? right. I, I don't know yeah, if you I, had, did you have to deal with that, AJ? I mean, clearly you, you had well, to. Well, the interesting thing You was, might be more masculine than I you am. You are manly though. as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One, of the, one of the ways that I sort of got around mentally, the, 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 the games you have to play with yourself when you're in the closet, is I could say, well, I don't like disco, and I ride motorcycles and I race cars, so therefore I can't be gay. Right now, the right. fact that like I, you know, it's you know, you also like dudes. Yeah, <laughs> you just kind of have important character sort of moves you that, in that direction. Push that off to the side. You just focus on those, you know. Yeah, and that that goes into that whole notion of what is masculinity. I mean, toxic yeah. masculinity yep. or this idea that if you are in touch with your feelings or if you don't do certain activities, then you are not man enough. And right. what does it mean to be a man? And that's where I think also as a father, you can, you know, just lay some of that stuff aside. You yeah. Know? And I was, that's what I was sort of speaking to is that I, I try to like, like I hug and kiss both my boys constantly. And, and, and we talk about like, if somebody's upset, we talk about why they're upset and, and how the, it's making them feel. And oh, totally, I can't yeah. remember ever fucking doing that with my dad. Like if I cried, I was told that that's not a thing I should do. Like that's, that was the discussion. Yeah. And, and I'm very weepy. So I cried a lot as a child and that's just how <laughs> it fucking went. But, um, and they just turned me into an asshole. So now you get what this is, but whatever. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out how to navigate that. I have a nine-year-old and a nine-year-old who will be 10 in April. And I started masturbating when I was nine. So that kid is... But don't you guys are all looking cool. at me weird now? Oh, I was cranking out at nine for sure. That's going <laughs> to the show description. But no, like that, he's on the, this this cusp of what what I would assume would be the beginnings of puberty, which is which means these moments are, are going to start occurring to him, and he's going to be making these decisions, and that makes me more aware of that. But if if you're doing things, if you can do things like just say use a gender neutral pronoun, mm -hmm. 
Like, you know, someday you're going to be with somebody special. Right. We do that. Yeah. You know, if you can do that, that's great. That just that's leaves the door open for future conversations. Right. And, 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 we, and we've had that discussion like like he his best friend across the street's a boy. His name is Simon. And he was like, I told Simon that, that when we grew up, I wanted to get a house together. And he said that boys can't live together. And I was like, well, he's fucking wrong. Like that just, I didn't make it an argument. I was like, and, nope. And yet somehow I have a feeling that's exactly the way you said it to oh, me. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to my, my eight-year-old at the time. I'm like, fuck that kid. Fuck him. No, I didn't say any of those things. But I definitely told him. I was like, no, he, he's wrong. He doesn't know. You know, he's younger. And, and just trust me. Like if that, if somebody, lo- if a boy loves another boy, they can, they can live together. That's fine. Like it, it, and that, and that is why the war has already been won. And as somebody pointed out, the GOP and the concern, really more the Christian, the Christian conservative wing that has usurped the GOP, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. um, is is really like the Titanic is going down, folks. The iceberg already took it out, and they're like madly playing their tune on the deck, thinking they're going to raise the ship back up. Yeah, but you know, with Jesus, yeah. they're going to do it with Jesus. Yeah, with Jesus. <laughs> yeah, he's come. He's come back, y'all. He's come back. <laughs> also, I hear gay people also like sports. Like that also is a thing. Like it's not, not a, not a you yeah. know, mutually exclusive thing. Wait, wait it, are, in terms of that, you, point of saying, was that like, breaking news, Josh? Did no, you? <laughs> no. But you had inferred that, like, because you didn't like sports, you were quote unquote worried that you were were well, gay. I, when you I were think it up. is at that era, like you know, there was definitely an association, yeah. and and if you, I mean. As a as a male who grew up completely uh, left out of sports culture, I mean, there was definitely a, a, a look that there was something wrong with you. I mean, I definitely yeah. had a lot of people ask me if I was gay in my my and, teens, and you know, actively made me hate sports culture for a while. Like I felt this need to push back against it. Yeah, like like I was like, I don't give a fuck. Like when people are like, "Man, we did really good this weekend." I'm like, "Are you on that fucking team? Like, what the fuck are you talking about?" Like I felt viscerally frustrated yeah. at this idea I was supposed to identify with it. Like, yeah. That felt like a fight I had to have. Was it though? Was it a fight that you had <laughs> Wait, to have? What? <laughs> no, this idea of just identifying with sports as, as you know, just like so strongly. Well, I don't know how I, I had such like a different, your, uh, what's that? Yeah, go, go on. Say, say what you're well, going Well, it's just say. like, like a, my like version of that, because I played baseball for a minute and then I fucking heard Nirvana and I was like, fuck baseball. And then I never gave a single fuck about sports or the people involved with it ever again. Well, it was but, like... It was I, just like a, it was not not to say that your perspective was wrong. Yeah, but I like literally a, did the same thing. I also heard Nirvana and was like, "Whoa, fucking Nirvana!" But then I also continued to play sports and like traitor. they can continue to exist. Like, no, no, you're well, right. Yeah, I'm it, not a traitor. No, That's no, I feel like you. your view on it is way more balanced. So, and I will say that I will speak to this. Well, can I finish my point on that? No, you can't. Well, um, well, I, <laughs> yeah, go on. The point was like that. Like it's like you almost like you're hot. I don't. I never felt that hostility towards it because I guess I, I don't know. Maybe I was just interpreted differently. But like I like the the things you guys just said. Like the, the accusing me of being this like ultra masculine masculine thing. And it's just yeah, kind of that. It's just kind of the way that I exist and always have. It's just kind of like I know what I want to do and fuck you. Right. And I guess that's like the. I think we see male characteristics as overconfident or or um, exerting dominance or whatever like not that there aren't incredibly dominant women those, those well, i just want to crimes. quote what you just said you guys said. just like leaving I, me out I, of a sad club and i'm, I'm like no, i want to no, be I, I sad no, man, too i, I don't I, know but me. i just want to i want to i want to quote what you just said yeah. i know what i want to do and fuck you yeah so you cursed again i mean there's and there's he's very like uncomfortable a, with it a lack of of 
understanding and empathy and yeah. implied with the yeah. fuck you aspect of that. And, yeah. and I think that that's the part of, <laughs> and I'm not saying that you are, cause I know you sad. better than that. And I think that you sometimes project this because of maybe your background of what is expected to, you know, of you as a male, but there's something about that. That's like, what I just don't care. Like you no, can, you no, do, you see, do that's, care. That's, but like, that's some it. bullshit. But you can play sports forever. I don't care. Uh, no, that's, that's not what you part. don't care about. What you but, don't care. What you don't care about is. Tell me what I don't care about. Well, please. you will. You will. <laughs> you do care for people, and you get really soft and sweet. Of course. Right, but not in that sentence. You didn't. Yeah, it think, feels it feels unidentifiable to people who wear that on outside. Right. Well, the point was like, do whatever you want. Like that's, I don't care what you do. And I don't care that you want okay, to do the things okay. you want to do. That's I'll the fuck that. you. Yeah. I don't, it's not, I, I don't fucking care. Like you can play football and be the biggest jock in the world. I don't care. Cause I just want to build a model of an F 14 and that's what right. I do. Like, and that's, that's what I was point. talking yeah. about earlier when I said, don't care when we reference like the, the reaction to a same sex couple coming to a dance. Like right. it's not that you have no empathy. It's that like, okay, cool. We get a drink. It you just know? doesn't right. register right. as being something right. foreign. And, and again, yeah. even that yeah. has been an evolution. Because mm-hmm. right. you know, if I talked, if I you know, if I were to talk to Scott, um, I don't think he was like accepted. I think people ignored them, as in you don't exist. I don't want to see, which is mm-hmm. not the same as saying, right. "Hey, Whatever. that's great you're yeah. here." Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not a place at the table. That's like you're sitting at the table, but I'm not going to talk to you, and I'm not going to pass you the salt, right. and you, you know you're a bad thing and I don't want to see you. I don't want to deal with you. Yeah. Um, in fact, years later, I was on a panel um, at school with some alumni. And I mentioned this young man as a hero of mine because he was out before I was really all the way, you know, and, uh, and somebody else on the panel had been in his class and said, he ruined my prom. And I was like, <laughs> Like, did, did he, he have left? sex with you? Did How he, did he ruin your prom? Well, you know, but it turns out that person had taken a lot of flack in school because he was a theater kid and, you know, probably weighed 95 pounds soaking wet as a senior, um, you know, 110 pounds. Where he was a little guy and uh, took a lot of grief. You know, people assumed he was gay because he was in the theater. And so, you know, how you meet girls? Coming, theater. What? <laughs> I said, you know, how you meet girls? Theater. Well, he, yeah, I know. And he's he's got kids and he's fine. But um, the thing was, was that for him, I think it just brought up that whole sort of, you know, feeling of like having to defend himself. And then here's this kid at prom reminding everybody that gay people exist. And so in his mind, it ruined prom when, you know, everyone I had talked to had been there said it was a non-event. Yeah. You know, most people ignored that they even existed and he had their little group of social friends and that's, sort of all they hung out with. They didn't right. even, yeah. you know, so it wasn't any kind of big event. Um, but for some people it was tough because again, that toxic masculinity, that yeah. feeling that you have to be a certain kind of thing to exist. And I can tell you that even in sports culture, it's eroding amazingly fast, yep. even with the amount of sort of, you know, I mean, there's a lot of Christian stuff going on in sports and a lot of it's really good. But I think it brings some other stuff with it. Um, and, you know, so there's a lot more acceptance among the jock crowd. Yeah. You know, than there used to be when I know probably you were talking about Matt. And I know when I was, there was this little culture that they would create. And it was anti everybody that isn't like us. Right. Um, and, 
you know, teenage boys who are dealing with their masculinity suddenly looking for if I can push him down, that makes me a little higher. Yeah, right. there's definitely hierarchy right. being built. The funny thing for me, so I was a, a band geek, right? Um, but I had a rock band. So that put me in this weird, like, they weren't sure if I was cool or not, right? They had to, like, decide that. Um, because, like, you know, I played saxophone and wore a marching band outfit, but then also, like, I went and played the songs that they listened to on the radio at the time at bars and talked to people, right? Like they had some weird longing for what I was doing and also a longing to talk badly about it because that's what they had been taught to do, right? Like mm-hmm. the and, and I even had a fucking coach because I am like in in my sophomore year in high school, I was like 260 pounds and six foot two and playing fucking saxophone. And they were like, you should be on the football team. And I was like, I like people and don't want to hit anybody. And they were yeah, like, you know, so I, was, sweet. I was the right person for that gig, right? Come on. <laughs> but uh, but like I got this weird like pressure from O-line. all of that. We'll put, you, we'll put you on the O-line. We'll put you on the O-line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're like, listen, you ju- we're just going to tell you when to run. Like I was, you know, just like a brainless block of human. Which Forest. I mean, come on. Let's. I was. I was also a fifteen-year-old boy. There's some truth to that. You chose the base too. So. <laughs> I did choose the base, but I was the only one that could hold it. So it was like, the base is the offensive line. Yeah, it is. <laughs> just, just a couple of thoughts with that era. I mean, you know, the, the the mid to late '90s. I mean, I you know, I was in high school at that point, and I know the all you know the all boys school that you went to. I mean, I think that there's something about that too in terms of the the potential how brave your student was to come out at that point. Cause I, I remember the all boys school that was around the corner from me. And the fact that there was a major stigma about that, like the fact that you were an all boys school and you had to overcompensate from that for that and like prove your, your whatever in terms of not, uh, you know, being open about your sexuality. <coughs> Again, you can't, it happens. So, amazingly quickly like and it was sort of a, a a positive erosion in that or maybe it built up really fast because again the whole idea of society for years has been you need to be invisible you need to be invisible you know especially if you're in the suburbs you could you know you could think that you didn't know anybody who was gay um because anybody who was was forced to be invisible just be invisible and once people started you know that as much as i didn't really get down with some of their stunts act up um, was a, a political group, a gay political group that was trying to get people. They were being very visible about the AIDS thing and about that there are gay people everywhere. And when you're in the closet, the last thing you want is somebody shouting, <laughs> there are gay people everywhere. Like, no, no, they're not. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. It's like checking no, the lock. Chicks are awesome. Chicks are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's a good question. So were you ever confronted with a moment where you had to like, front some alternate version of your sexuality is that like did you deal with that a lot? oh like like my entire for a long 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 yeah. time of course you know and you just you learn to dodge and you learn to be a ninja i mean it it has affected how i have relationships at work um yeah. you know you realize like i only have really three at any given time i only have three friends at work at any given time just, just out of a, a sense of safety, or, or, or right, because or, yeah. you could, that way you can manage your data and and the stories yeah, exactly. that you're telling. Yeah. Um, it's easier to do that with if you just have three people that you're at most one super close friend and then two associate friends who are sort of 
people you can talk to as well, but it's just much easier to manage the story. Yeah. You know, you're making up about stuff. Yeah. That's fucking crazy, man. And even, even since I've been out all these years, I still like every now and again, I go like, Oh shit, I really only have like three people at work that I talk to a lot. And that I'm, you know, like I've got my, Closest friend, and I've got two alternates. <laughs> right. Can I ask when you felt comfortable to come out in, in your professional world? Um, it was really strange. So this is the this is a, 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 a hysterical story. I'm at home. My phone rings. It's my doctor. Now, my doctor um, was, was gay, and he had a partner, um, and he's a wonderful doctor, and he had done a lot of work during the AIDS thing. But anyway, he goes... I need to talk to you like in a really serious voice. And I'm like, Oh shit, I got cancer. Cause I had been in for a checkup and we had been talking about stuff and I didn't realize they had adopted a kid and the kid was old enough to go to school and his partner wanted him to go to our school. And he wanted, he had asked me something about whether I thought it would work. And he called me up to ask me, he goes, oh no no, it's not that. It's not that. It's about it's about our son. And I was like, oh Jesus, you know, you're trying to kill me. He's like, no, my my husband is working with the the headmaster of the school, a guy named Arch Montgomery, who's an amazing man. Um, and they're they want to you know have like a committee to talk about um, domestic partner benefits. And uh, I said, will you be on the committee? And I'm like, uh, you know, and at that point, I was kind of like. Screw it. Like if I lose my job, I lose my job. I just was sort of tired of, of being in the closet at work. Cause I had been out in my personal life. And uh, so I go to this meeting and we're sitting there and um, they're introducing people and they had a, a guest, a woman who was a, sort of an expert on the subject. And she goes, you know, they're talking about how they want to do this groundwork and they want to do it quietly at first so that they can just present it to the board and get it approved before anybody can get any kind of, there had been a big thing that had happened in AM radio, believe it or not, with St. Paul's School, when St. Paul's School for Girls had brought in somebody who's talked about lesbian issues and the board went nuts and they, St. Paul's School for Girls kind of took two steps back on that one. And everyone was still terrified of that happening. So they had this quiet committee and they get around to this woman and she goes, I do have a question. She goes, do you have any gay faculty? And my, the headmaster looks at me and goes, Apparently, (laughs) (laughs) and I was just like, I just like burst into flames, you know, (laughs) it became so real in that moment. Um, But it was kind of an interesting and enlightening because there were other gay faculty. Um, And, you know, I spoke to one of the older ones, guys, a couple years older than I was. And he said, yeah, you're really brave, but I'm not doing that. He goes, my first year here, um, a kid started a rumor that a teacher was gay and it was a teacher who actually was, but he hadn't been out, hadn't done anything inappropriate, but that teacher was out of the school. He said that day, like <clears throat> it, it happened so fast. He said, you know, you, again, that, that kind of an experience to a young teacher is going to really kind of change you. And like, dude, he's like, I could kids are so fucking vicious, dude. I remember oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I had a seventh grade, a male seventh grade teacher. One, like the only fucking male teacher I had for like homeroom up until that point because of, you know, stereotypical Southern education system. And it was just under, which everybody was like, well, clearly he's gay. 
There was no like, right. And, and, and it wasn't like, clearly he's gay. Like that's a life choice. It was like, clearly he's deficient and he's gay. And I remember that being, first of all, being like, well, for, like who decided that? But also being like, there was no discussion about it. It was just agreed upon that that was the truth. Like mm-hmm. the end that it was negative and kids are fucking, they're so vicious. If somebody in, in their chain of command, if somebody, a parent or an uncle or anybody older than them had sort of set that example that that person is a bad person, then they just follow that, you know, they, yeah. yeah. The whole idea of moral deficiency. Um, the interesting thing about that was it ended up being sort of a, not a mute, it didn't take, it was, it was an interesting, the panel got together. It was had some, uh, an interesting board, a woman who was on the board, whose son's best friend came out. You know, one of those kids that came out as after, just after he graduated, but it was really emotionally tough for that kid. And she, you know, the kid lived with them for a while because his parents didn't, you know, dig it at first. Um, but the cool thing was we were the first school to have domestic partner benefits um, in the area. You know, of all the private schools, we were the first one to have offered domestic partner benefits um, and write something into the school, you know, sort of that was actually written out that said, you know, I can't remember exactly what it was. I'd have to go find the document, but it basically included in sort of the, not the mission statement, but it included, you know, people who are, yeah, acceptance. And that was huge. And it was like, they didn't have to, as I always told them, I said, you don't have to like make an announcement. The people who are affected by this are looking like they're looking for signs and they're checking stuff out. Um, and you know, you can say all you want, but you know, if you have something there, they're going to pick up on it. You know, they'll, they'll know. Um, so just, and they were brave. Arch Montgomery was a, a fantastic headmaster and a great guy. And that was his, that was his sort of parting thing. And he actually said, he goes, you know, he was getting ready to move on. And he just said, you know, the deal is if this blows up, just, we're going to blame it on me. That's you know, cool. it'll be, I'll, I'll take, sure. I'll take the hit. I'll take yeah. the hit. I'm on my way out the door. I'll take the hit. That's fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Plus, that's just and leadership. So he wasn't like, yeah. he wasn't in charge when the previous teacher was uh, that was, fired. Was, year, that was, was years, years prior. in the past. Yeah, years and they were the they were fired explicitly because they were gay, you or was it? You don't really know because again, it's the whole silence thing. Yeah. Right, silence right. is a powerful, powerful weapon. Right. Um, it's what you don't say that can really effect you know that's what you listen for you listen for the silence if people aren't saying this is okay then you can kind of assume but that guy apparently now for all you know you know i don't know the whole story so the guy also could have been a drunk you know (laughs) you don't know what was going on he didn't answer he's just like he was asleep asleep. (laughs) now now i feel like we're all personally offended (laughs) attack even but um yeah but that was the story was sort of relayed to me and it was just like wow um, and again, you know, and then what happened for me was so then for years, it's like I was living in another weird dual thing where it was like. It's all, all the faculty knew. Right. But like, should I say something in front of the kids? You know, yeah. that was like, it's not the right. And that was a whole oh, my God, that was a crazy story um, where I finally just took it upon myself because I was in a homeroom with two guys at work and we were sharing a homeroom couple teachers and uh 
you know, this one guy was talking about was really one of the the kids hadn't done their cleanup stuff around the school, and he was talking about responsibility and this one this younger teacher. And I know he he knew my husband, who was then my my partner at the time, and um, he's like, you know, uh, you know, the other teacher, his wife, if, if he doesn't want to, he has to go to work every day. He has responsibilities. His wife, my wife, Mr. Howard, and he's like locked up. He didn't know what to say. He goes. He has responsibilities too. And he apologized and said, I didn't know what to say. And I thought, okay, I'm done with this because silence is silence is, is powerful. Yeah. Yep. Silence means something. And the thing is, is that with faculty kids at the school, people had to know, you know, so I'm sure it was like rumor. And, and I said, I'm putting an end to this. So I did, I put together a, a pretty cool assembly. And, you know, definitely geared at middle school age, more talking about the idea of identity. Yeah. You know, you know, I was a kid and I was at the time I was living with my uncle. My uncle was a mechanic and I was working on cars and I thought, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to live in the same part of New Jersey. I'm going to get a cool car. I'm going to work on cars. And then one day, I think I told you, Matt, I was listening to a David Bowie eight track that I found at my uncle's house that was, um, my aunt's brother's, you know, thing. And I'm listening to David live and I'm listening to, you know, that, that album. And I just got it. Like the words clicked and meant something to me, you know? Um, and I just like, was like, Oh fuck, I'm gay. And then immediately <laughs> like run to the closet and lock it up. Which I think we all would have done the same thing. I like, like, yeah. Like, I, our, the where we grew up, the cultures we grew up in would have would have put us all in that same position. Like, I, yeah. I mean, you know, it was all you were all prepped for it and primed yeah. for it. But uh, but in that instant, my future vanished. Like I had no future. You know, uh, um, mechanic. I knew what mechanics thought of, 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 yeah. of gay. You know, um, you know. So that sort of the whole family thing and like everything I thought I might be in the future just vaporized and thanks a lot david bowie (laughs) (laughs) well you know it just happens you know it just it happened to be i think you know it had been sort of there but it just crystallized when i was because i always listen to the words and i'm always trying to find meanings in the lyrics and things and you know i'm listening to these songs and i'm like oh (laughs) you know (laughs) it sort of it made sense to me um you know, I could start quoting the lyrics, you know. Yeah, so something about your ray gun yeah. or. <laughs> he swallowed his pride and puckered his lips and showed me the belt around his hips. My knees were shaking, my, my cheeks aflame. I said, do it again, do it again. Turn around, go back. I mean, you know, um, his nebulous body swayed above, his tongue swollen with devil love. The snake and I on venom high. I said, do it again, do it again. Turn around, right. go back. Now you just sound hot, dude. Calm down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Transition accomplished. <laughs> fucking awesome. music, man. Yeah. Dude, yeah. yeah. I talk music. about that so much in my fucking history class. I mean, David Bowie in particular, but also just this how art and music gets decades ahead of what culture is willing to accept, you know, from oh, fucking yeah. Elvis's hips to Ziggy Stardust to Freddie Mercury to Boy George to, you know, like just constantly. Art is so far ahead of anything that the squares are, are able to deal with. And it's just fucking, it's yeah. awesome, man. But, you know, yeah, so that, you know, that whole thing happens. And it happened, the thing was, was happening in various ways to people 
you know, all around me, you know, spread out because again, it's, it's a, it's a small population, but it's spread out, but it had been happening for years and years and years. And the thing was society was like waiting there with a bat to say, like, stick your head up, go ahead. I dare you. And all that's been late. What's the first, what's the first taunt in a schoolyard fight when you're in elementary school? Before anybody, before the, the stupid punching happens, yeah, what yep. do you say? You can do it because we'll just feel like assholes if we do. So <laughs> you go after you 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 go after their sexuality. You, right, right. you go after their masculine. It really it's masculinity because you don't know what sexuality is, right. right? So if you call someone a fag, it isn't about sexuality. It's about you're not enough of a man. You're not you're 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 a bad. You're bad, um, and you're less. Um, but that's the first. So that's the training for like, let's keep them invisible because they're all over the place. You know, you can't you can't really identify them until it's too late. You know, right. um, the call's coming from inside the house. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I'll have to remember that one. <laughs> the call's coming from inside the house. Um, and then the funny thing is, is that after you come out, you know all of your aunts are going like, oh yeah, your uncle Bobby, like what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> your cousin Bobby or, you know, who this person or that person or, oh yeah, there was this person over there. And that, and then you realize like, wait a minute, you, you know, as adults, then you real you do know all these people, but it's not too late, but the damage has already been done. Right. Yep. Yep. And, you know, again, moving it towards like where we are now, that's why I keep saying it's sad because they're putting all this energy into something. And again, the war is over. Right. You know, because the acceptance is there, the acknowledgement of existence is there. And I think, um, you know, they're throwing up as many roadblocks as they can for, you know, trans people, especially right now. Um, What's well, the new thing? Know. The new thing is always going to get the most objection, right? I mean, it's just like, oh, not a new thing. No, we've talked about this. Well, obviously, it's, it's, it's not a new like thing. New it's, a new, it's a new thing of discussion. Like the, It's a new the, area of focus. Yeah. 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 It's a new thing. Uh, that they area, it's an area of awareness. And, yeah. you know, again, people who just want to get by. And of course, you know, in any of these things, what they do is they take the extreme edges of it. You know, the people who are for, for you know, social pressures of, you know, their way of dealing with it is to be incredibly extreme. And they can say, look, it's so weird. And then you actually meet trans people and they're just people right. who are, have lived this hard life. And had to make some really tough choices um, and to deal with it. And then really what they really want is the same thing that you want and you want and you want, you know, somebody in your life, something to do to, you know, to get by a sense of like self and, you know, and to actually be like acknowledged that you exist. That's the irony of this thing too, is like, especially with like the, the Republican stuff is they're like the, the freedom party. Right. And like, my whole right. argument to all that forever has been like, well, you have the freedom to, to fuck whoever you want, to do whatever you want, worship whatever you want. Like, why are you Change guys trying channel. to? Why are you guys yeah. trying to fuck with that? Like, no. why is it like a? Why is removing others' freedoms a focus of the party? It's all about freedom and blah 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 blah. It's like, because it's really all about fear. They're yeah. afraid. Yeah. That's um, definitely true. It, it, they're afraid of of the difference. They're afraid of change. Um, Death. Yeah, they're, they're afraid, afraid of death. Yeah. Well, no, no, God, no. That's the thing they want because a lot. The thing that's really scary going forward is this whole notion of, well, the rapture's coming, right? And they all believe they're one of the one of the chosen couple, 
Yeah. And I'm thinking like, really? <laughs> <laughs> when I say afraid of death, they, I mean they are afraid to when when they do die that it's all bullshit, which is. You know, I oh, guess wait, a separate I conversation. All, I'm pretty sure we're all afraid of that, right? Yeah. Like, I think ultimately, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's inevitable. Why be afraid of it? Yeah, I mean, we're not seeking enough. it necessarily, but like, it's coming. Like, it's a guarantee. No one's getting out of this alive. The, so. the hypocrisy and the bullshit is that it's a it's a fading party that's opportunistically like <laughs> looking for any you know aspect that they can rally support. And so you look at the history and through the <sighs> years, it's like they've rallied gun control. Yep. Uh, you know, pro-life support. Uh, they religious, can't win on policy, uh, so they go with the social yeah. division. Well, yeah, and, easy and, stuff. So my my experience with that <coughs> is some, somebody like my dad, um, who it, voted for Trump twice, right? But I had one of my bandmates in college was she was black, she was a lesbian, and she was a drummer. So she's like a triple minority, right? <laughs> <laughs> and like my dad was completely accepting of her. Like she came and stayed at our house and it was a totally fine. It, there was nothing about that that bothered him in any way. But They're like. Fine individuals. They're yeah, fine individuals. Right. But the, the idea that there's a group of them and that's scary because, again, it's like it's like imagine suddenly it's like the football team who's like, you know, whatever or that group. Of when you talk about the the athletes and they, you yeah. think of them as one entity, you know, what if there's a lot of these people? There's they're different, um, but yeah, there's always that really weird disconnect. Like, but you're really friends with so and you're really nice yeah. to so and so, and they're that you know thing that you just made a derogatory comment about, you know? right. right? And I think even more so for somebody like my dad, and this is probably a good a good chunk of these folks is he just couldn't say it in front of his friends. He couldn't tell his friends that I knew a black lesbian person like that would make it uncomfortable for him um, because his friends would ridicule him in some way. So he has to pretend or believe even convince himself to believe in those moments that it's okay to feel a certain way about that, even though confronted with another human, he has no problem with him because he's he is fundamentally a good person with a bunch of really fucked up beliefs. You know, goes to the power of silence again. That we yeah, go, go ahead, touching on You're that. About to say no, I was just gonna say, I think a lot of the fear comes in saying things out loud. So my dad, in his late sixties, decided he wanted to start playing music again, and so he found this instructor instructor to teach him. And he was talking about going to his instructor's house, and he and his husband. And my mom was like, "He ha- he has a husband," and I was just like okay, cool. Like, yeah. Is he nice? Like, I don't know. And then my mom, like just watching the realization on her face of like, Oh, we're talking about this and it's normal and it's fine. Oh, the and then gaze. like everything changed after that. And she right. was like, Oh, they're really nice. And we had them over for dinner and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, wow. but for like, a second, I thought you, you said she a... meant they're really nice. Like the gays. She just had to like say it out loud mm-hmm. and like, that somehow changed her mind being able to have that conversation. And I think people are so scared to talk through things that if they would just be more willing to do that, it would solve a lot of problems. So that just speaks to the problem with humans. I think I've got a, I've got a a lot of problems. A dad story too. Oh no, this This is a good one though. Um, so (laughs) my uncle Richard was gay in, uh, he was like, his whole life. Well, yeah, but it was like this, well, he was gay from '87 to '98. I'm, I'm, fra- I'm framing the time period because it's, it revolves. He, he died of AIDS in the '80s, and uh, 
Now so, I just feel like an asshole. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. So he, he was well, in his 20s and the 80s, like right as that all came, and he was doing okay. the full thing, like the full, the Freddie Mercury like, experience, yeah, like yeah. top to bottom. And my dad, who is, uh, was, was, was a fucking like psychotic Republican and <laughs> fucking phone, um, uh, ended up being like very, very like overly religious did everything in his fucking power to try to save his brother's life. Like he was drug smuggling from Mexico. He was doing the thing like every, every thing he could do. And that was always sort of the chink in his Republican armor was like, that he loved his brother, he loved his brother, yeah. loved his brother, like more than anything in the world. And like that was a point of contention. Almost like that's almost one of the last things we talked about before he died. It was like, like that fundamental mis. That's a disconnect. It was a bit like Dick Cheney's daughter. Like, I never fucking got how that was real. Like, Dick Cheney's daughter was an outspoken activist lesbian, and he was in the fucking, uh, you know, Bush White House. I, that blew my mind. Like He, that, ran, the, he ran the Bush White well, House. Yeah. 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 No, him and the bear, or whatever. Whatever. <laughs> what was the thing? He's, like, trapped in this, or whatever. I, I just well, he something. picked his moments of silence, too, to, like, you know, I guess in silence stand in solidarity, but not really. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, when he, you're that he, powerful, silence, like right. you said, silence is is a negative thing. But like to me, that what what like what my dad proved was like there's there's a, a fundamental thing missing in like the religious yeah. fundamentalist sort of thing. Like you you it doesn't it shouldn't allow for that to happen. And if it does, you got to question the rest of it. And if you don't, what are you doing? Like right, like, well, you're not allowed to question. Think a little you harder, know, you know. Go ahead, AJ. Spinning it back to sort of this four years and and then moving on. Um, when I look at a lot of the people who I don't know a lot of people that voted for Trump, but most of them are like single line item people. Like when you ask them, yeah. it's like, you know, he's going to, he's going to do something about um, uh, the sanctity of life or abortion, you know, yeah. he's going to do, you know, and they'll ignore all that other stuff. And I find it on the other side, you know, on, on the, the left side of, of the, of the aisle, I don't find people as single item about it. It's more like we'd like to see civility come back and we, we really do need to kind of look at the environment and people aren't like usually aren't single ticket. Like the only reason I'm voting for the Democrats is because, or I'm ignoring all this other stuff, but cause there's a lot, you know, I had a, a high school friend who, again, through Facebook, you know, you find these people, he's one of the few Trump supporters I've kept in my feed just to a, get a pulse on what's going on. But he is a, a really staunch rights to, right to life guy. Now, part of that is he got together with his wife about the same time I got together with Kenneth. They tried to have a kid. It, the child died very young, really sad. Yeah. But, you know, that's when his Catholicism kicked into overdrive. Oh. That's when his anti-abortion stuff kicked into overdrive. And Trauma you know, will do that. Yeah, Really the only thing, like when we talk about this, you know, that's like when I look at his feed, that's the main thing. There's a lot of, you know, when, when I call him on the, when he talks about Biden being immoral, I'm like, well, how can you say he's immoral when the guy you voted <laughs> Comparison for? Comparison to Trump. Yeah. yeah. Also, he's off, a Catholic. Paid off strippers and all that. And he's a Catholic. Well, he's not a good Catholic. Right. And then it always comes. Neither is the Pope, apparently. Yeah. yeah. But it, it, he it likes butts and so do I. Hey. It's cool. Comes back to the same thing that he is not. And I said, well, has Trump actually ever said that he's pro-life like has he ever said you know or does he just you know he hangs out with pence so you know you know but anti-abortion so they don't hang out. Fly, so. 
Can you? Well, first of all, on like on the Trump abortion thing, can you imagine how many abortions he's funded? Like there or, must or be, or at least calls to have be done. Yeah, there's, yeah, well, that's what I mean. Like, like on his behalf, there's probably been like thousands. I'm so confused that people have had just, sex with him. Ugh, that gross, right? Like a little icky. I don't. Sorry. I just don't want to stoop money, to that because money I don't is want to virtue. We talked about it last week. Sorry, go ahead, fair, fair. Christian. I, I just don't want to stoop to that or like you know because I I think that that gives. <laughs> I think you're right. That's the same. That's like the same kind of digging and, at assumption. That, and I mean, yeah. I do think that he's an opportunistic person who probably doesn't stand <laughs> behind that, and will just kind of say whatever he needs to say to rally support from whoever's going to give it to him. But that's but, not anything we have proof of. Yeah. But, but I'm also opportunistic, and I will say wholeheartedly that I think he's had a lot of abortions <laughs> on his just why you have <laughs> okay, toxic <laughs> masculinity that we need to that's discuss. That's not toxic. <laughs> So AJ, your your Facebook friend who's uh, staunchly pro life, does he also anti mask? Is that also in his worldview? He is not. I mean he he's not a super anti masker guy, but I, he's one of those people who thinks it's all being sort of overstated to undermine Trump. Right. Okay. Yeah. So once you walk into the realm, you're just not the two hundred seventy plus. A resident and... NIH uh, uh, professional, can you please speak to that real quick, just as a <laughs> reinforcement? Everyone should be wearing masks. Thank you. <laughs> Fucking. Thank you. You know what? With that uh, breaking uh, news. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> our our mutual friend Kate. Oh yeah, yeah. Kate L has been uh, sending me the the. Who works in the healthcare industry? Works in the healthcare industry has been sending me the actual like the charts every day of like people in the hospital yeah the graph as it climbs and, steadily. It's, not, it's not a graph and i was like you should put this in a graph because yeah. the visual is like this it's like plus five percent plus eight percent plus one percent plus five percent plus eight percent it's like every day is like oh yeah. it's always going up it's never going down <laughs> it's horrifying <laughs> no, by the way Kate, well. you should come <laughs> hang out one day yeah hey Kate. <laughs> i'm just yeah. they're looking at me and i'm just like you know Frustrated thought, and I can't remember the name of the paradox, but there, there's the unfortunate thing is, you know, the infographic or, you know, the graph yep. um, that just makes me think that the, whatever that paradox is, it's like show people hard evidence and it just ends up reinforcing their misguided yes. beliefs in the yes. first place because mm-hmm. we're just so insecure. <laughs> Oh, do you well, I mean, Trump did with it. <laughs> said that like well, you want to individually, but I mean, humanistically, you me like to. you know, as a species, we're so insecure. I mean, yeah. it, it boils down to this well, fact big that surprise. we're like, like we 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 only got to the top of the food chain with our stupid brains. We don't have claws or teeth or muscles. Actually, or cooked meat anything. brought us there. Was, yeah, yeah, like what? How did? How, why wouldn't we be insecure? We don't belong at the top of the food chain. We're fucking soft and delicious and very killable. <laughs> Sorry, did that? Was that? But too, isn't there? Isn't there a weird way? Isn't there some brain chemistry stuff about what happens when you have a belief that gets challenged? Expert says <laughs> we have an expert <laughs> to speak to that. That's not my specialty. <laughs> okay, um, right. but way more know. so than ours. <laughs> we'll take an opinion at this point. It's fine. So recu- recklessly speculate, if you will. Okay, so if I'm <laughs> just oh, right. oh. <laughs> I mean, there there is some evidence of wanting to stick to what you know because it's safe, right? So, like, if you think about. Um, Let's do like a caveman example, because why not? Because we all are. Uh, yep. You know, if this forehead says I probably have me. <laughs> well, thought know, we if, killed you off. If someone offers you like a food item and goes, "Oh, you can totally eat this. It's not poison," but you've never seen it before. Like, are you really gonna just 
go with that and go instead of going like, no, like I've never seen it. It's not from here. It's probably not good. Like terrible things can happen. So you're going to go in the opposite direction to protect yourself. So did I see it on YouTube or what? Where did I see this? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, like in, in that way, I think that's partially why like people double down as like a safety mechanism on, you know, to hold on to what they're comfortable with and what they know is safe because what happens if it's, something dangerous. So that actually gives them motivation to not believe where they wouldn't have been otherwise. Right. And instead of, you know, it being something that's truly life or death, like eating poisonous food, you know, it ends up being something that realistically is like, it's not a bad thing. It's just like, you're randomly scared of something you don't know because your brain chemistry is doing this thing that evolution has told it to do when realistically, like people do that for, Um, People who look different, have different beliefs, you know, all these things that really don't put us in danger, but the brain does the same thing. The visual thing is for sure built in. Like we have a, a, there's definitely like a, you look different. I'm scared of you. Like that's a fight or flight instinct that we all have. I think that's why, and AJ, I'm going to defer to you on this one, but do you feel like the, the, like the, the, the gay rights movement or the sexuality movement has like happened faster because it's, it's it's mostly associated with people that look the same as you. Like there's not a visual for sure. I mean, you know, no matter what, you know, if you're, if you're talking about people who are visually fundamentally different than you look and it's easy to identify, it's really easy to keep a whole bunch of stereotypes on that and push it on to people so that when they see a group of these people, they can be afraid of them. But when it's like, yeah, it's your kid or it's your yeah. uncle Fred or it's your aunt, you know, Lisa, you know, that's your aunt Lisa. You, you know, went over to her house. She's a whole human. It's like a fucking yeah. sleeper cell. It was a yeah. Thanksgiving the whole time. If you're gay, <laughs> you're supposed to wear assless chaps so we can identify you. <laughs> can you please get that together? Yeah. Those things also make people more willing to undermine when differences are there. So like a perfect example that I have is my mom's cousin has had his partner living with him for years and everyone's just like oh that's kevin's friend his roommate oh yeah he is a 55 year old man he does not have just a random roommate he's a doctor he can afford his house like (laughs) there's a there's they're having the sex there's definitely not one of those in my family as well currently actively you know like and people are just willing to be like oh no no like that that's not the case like why because you you can't see that he is somehow different in some way like whatever he loves him yeah good for him and that that was sort of the norm for such a long time i mean that was the best you could hope for was that you would have you know what would they call them oh there was a term for two women living boston sisters or something oh, <laughs> oh there is a term for it yeah boston's wow. oh that's so funny. No, <laughs> fuck boston first of all but <laughs> <laughs> Again, like, with the top Boston, of the I think it was called Boston, Boston Spinsters. Mm. Spinsters. Boston Spinsters. Boston yeah. Spinsters was a term for, you know, these two women who had been living together and been roommates. And again, for women, because they couldn't, you know, this was a double whammy. It was women could, you know, they didn't earn as much and it was harder for them to have a place to live. Um, they weren't allowed to buy property without a man to sign for it. Um, you know, they, so they would generally would have these, you know, they'd have their apartment together or whatever. And that was sort of where that term came from. But it was that notion that you, that was just an accept that used to be, that used to be. And very quickly, I mean, the interesting thing is that gay history in a lot of respects is evaporating right before our eyes. Uh. Because 
it's being wiped out it, or if, like like explain yeah no yeah. no no not wiped out i mean it's been accepted out oh, okay. um, as we've yeah. been accepted. so the for example in baltimore, <laughs> yeah. almost every single gay bar in baltimore is closed yeah now part of the reason is is because covid you know, everybody was in the closet you would flock to these places so you could find other people well you don't need to do that anymore yeah, it's necessity um, and, yeah. and it was it was a place that not only were, were people just hooking up, but it was where sort of the movement happened. I mean, you know, our movement didn't happen in a ch- in a church. It happened in no you know, the Eagle and the Hippo <laughs> yeah. and, you know, and all these other places in Baltimore um, that are just kind of eva- I mean, no one's going to, you know, the Hippo disappeared. You know, yeah. it, it's, it's a what is it, a Walgreens now. I will, I will say that that one of the most flattering compliments I've ever been given was at a gay bar in New Orleans. Um, I walked through and there were like black lights on, and I like asked somebody very in my southern polite way. I was like, "Oh, I have to get by," and then I like, smiled at them, and they're like, "Man, you have really nice teeth." And I was like, "Oh, thank you." Yeah, and, I and was nobody like, notices. Oh wait, hold on, hold on. <laughs> it was definitely. I was like, it was. It was a good environment. It was a very positive environment, and that's literally the only gay bar I've ever been in. So I have incredibly limited experience with it. But like, it was accepting, and it was also New Orleans, so there was already this sort of built-in bohemian element to it. But oh, right, dude. and there were various places in. So, um, so many years ago, I was still closeted kid from Jersey, and you know, we would go across to New York. Um, and there was a place on West 4th Street called the Peculiar Pub. Now, West 4th was right near Christopher Street. It was like right down the street. But we went to the Peculiar Pub because this was way long ago when if you wanted something beside Budweiser, it was kind of hard to find it in a lot of bars. This place was called the Peculiar Pub because they had a four-page beer menu and like one-page food menu. So we would go there and play like around the world Navy beers. Um <laughs> You know, and then drive back, and then drive back to New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, um, but that was long good old days. <laughs> good old days, and you'd see. But the interesting thing was, like, you know, I would see out of the corner of my eye gay couples walking to Christopher Street, and it was like, oh, like it was like scary, and I'm in the closet, and this is really like weird. So years later, um, a mutual friend of ours, Warren Bowes, uh, he has a band. He's in a band. Yeah, Almighty, the band, the Almighty Senators. Why does Warren keep coming up in this fucking podcast? Like, I haven't hung out with him nearly enough. Obviously, yeah, he's fucking awesome. I'm going to hang out with Warren right now. Hey, Warren, so, come yeah. hang so out. The, yeah, Almighty, the, the Almighty Senators had gotten uh, the Grammy showcase, you know, thing that was like a contest they were doing, and they were the they were the regional band. So everybody else got flown to New York City. You know, we got like toll money and gas money to go up to New York City in a hotel. Um, and I was teching for the band and hanging out with them. And so, you know, they played their first night. It was off the chain. You know, they 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 crushed the regionals. The next night was the finals. Um, and everybody kind of went in different directions that day. And I wandered down to Christopher Street because I was out. You know, everybody in the, the band knew where I was. And I went down to Christopher Street and I'm like, okay, I know it's daytime, but this place feels really different. And I'm wandering around and I go into this bar and I'm talking to the bartender and I go, hey, uh, you know, I don't know, when I was a kid and I was closeted, it, Christopher Street seemed different. It was how long ago I told him, he's like, uh, and then this older queen at the end of the bar, she sort of goes, I can tell you what happened. <laughs> Used to be, if you had a Christopher Street address, 
and uh, you worked on, you know, on Wall Street, you'd get fired. You wouldn't even get hired in the first place. But if they found out you had a Christopher Street address, you were done. Now, everybody's moving down here because the gays kept we kept the we kept all the buildings really nice. Everything was all fixed <laughs> up, and it gentrified like that yeah. because you know those areas right around Bleecker Street and Christopher Street were if you worked a, a high end job in New York, you couldn't have a Christopher Street address and work at Lehman Brothers. Are you kidding me? If you were a young executive, unmarried man, and that's really all they hired white, white <laughs> males. <laughs> Right. Um, so those that area was sort of off limits. It was prime location, though. So once there was any kind of acceptance and in, again, the big cities always accept like New Orleans, like, yeah. you know, um, New York, like San Francisco, like Chicago. Once there was any kind of acceptance, man, like the neighborhood changed really quickly. Because Whereas when I was a yeah. kid, you know, when I was a kid and we were going over there as kids. You know, the, the thing that made me realize I want to go down there was one day we were sitting at the Peculiar Pub at night. We're drinking and somebody made a vaguely anti-gay comment or some talked about disgust. And one of the guys who was hanging out with us was an older cousin, this guy, Johnny, who, you know, was I think he got married like the next year. He's a cool guy, but he was a little more worldly wise than us. And he was like, oh, my God, I've had it with you people. And we're like, what? He's like, they're just people come on, we're going, we're going to go drink down on Christopher street. And it was like a Tuesday night or something. And he like led us down West fourth crossed over, walked down Christopher street. And we were all like, you know, it was you know, my, my, and it was really weird because it was all of my friends and their girlfriends and me. <laughs> I'm, thinking, like, I'm sweating. Like, you know, sweating. the funny thing about that is that that vision it's also, it's regional, right? Like, so the, the U.S. carried this stigma of being anti, uh, just open-mindedness through the course of the Bush administration. I, I played my friend's wedding in Wales in 2003, maybe, and we, we met all of his Irish cousins. And they're like, oh, you guys are way less intolerant than we thought you would be. And I was like, wait, what did you think we were fucking going to be like? And they were Puritans. like, yeah, fucking right. Puritans. they just assumed we were like, like, we all hated gay people and we were all super Republican. Like that just, that's the vision from 2000 to 2008 that they had of the US. And then suddenly Barack Obama gets elected and we all converted, you know, and then the Trump, whole country at once. No. Like, oh, and then, but that is a, it, it is a monolith, right? And, and, I was really shocked at that because I always, yeah, you know, me and all my friends are, we're just fucking different, odd, strange, whatever. We just embraced that. So that meant that it didn't matter. None of that stuff mattered. We embraced the idea of not fitting in. So if you didn't fit in, then it didn't make a difference. Right. And, and that became okay to a certain point by the time I was in my twenties. But even when I was a teenager, uh, you know, the music I listened to wasn't popular at first and, and the, the, what I wanted to do with my life wasn't responsible. And so we just all embraced that. So if three of the guys in the band that I played in were gay, it was just like, it just fucking made sense. Right. I didn't, it didn't feel weird to me. And, and then going there and realizing that they saw Americans as something that I see as negative, 
it kind of hurt. I was I was really upset by that. I was like, first of all, fuck you guys. Well, second of all, like, do you see my hair? I'm definitely one of your people. Like, come on. Touring's one of those things too that like nobody can like. You can't put a, a like. You just see you, like everyone's accounted for on the road. Like, yeah. they're out there. You'll just like. I, I remember I was in the U.S. one time, and. Two like two dudes were blowing each other in the bathroom and they fell out of the porta potty like with dicks out and I was just like, <laughs> okay, that was a real thing. That's a bad idea. Well, yeah, it was a terrible idea, but it was fantasy fest and that's what happens down there. And uh, I was just like, <laughs> whatever, like Tuesday, cool, like. <laughs> but you don't if you, you if you don't leave your little your little circle, you don't mm-hmm. see the rest of the world. And the rest of the world is fucking. Yeah. It's awesome. It's it people is. doing crazy shit that's for crazy why, reasons. Why yeah. I think like senior year, every American kid should study abroad or at least in a different fucking state. Like, what are we doing? The prom should be this, in a different state. Yeah, 100%, with all this like, fucking diversity, why are we still acting this way? I don't know. Well, we're talking about political civil here. service. <laughs> yeah, well, we're we are a regional kind of thing. Oh, yeah. and the funny yeah. thing about that story was that the, the gays are in New meeting. Jersey. <laughs> we stopped in a few places, and then he's like, "Come on!" And he walked us down the street, and he's like, "You numbnuts like walk like blocks. You know, if you're not driving in, you walk like blocks and blocks and blocks. There's a subway station right here. You can take this and get on the path train yeah. and get back over to Jersey." And he's like, "But down there, don't go down there." And he pointed down to the end of the street, which was down by um, West Side Highway. And that's like Lou Reed's New York. You know what I mean? That's where that's where the really heavy looking, looking for the man or whatever. Well, yeah. that's where those burned out piers were and the junkies who used to live down there. Heroin fixes. Um, oh, yeah. And there were all those clubs that end up Koch ended up closing. Yeah. Um, were all down there. You know, all the really like the really heavy bars. And the real cruising scene was down there, but the north, that end of the north end of Christopher Street was just was just a bunch of gay bars and some sex shops and all sorts of just life. But you know, we would never walk the block to get on the one subway station. We'd walk blocks in the other direction. <laughs> so, you know? but, but that's really interesting. Again, that's like a a cross section of a lack of acceptance, right? But just based but on fear. fear, it's fear. Just yeah, based on fear. fear. Yeah. No, no, I know, I know. Which is what we were kind of alluding to before. Like that's. What are they gonna make you like suck every dick in the bar? Like, like no, it's just, just walk by. <laughs> Depends how ambitious you are. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> why, why would you? Why would you knock somebody? Down well, like no, that? like Key West was the same thing. I played in there for like fucking fifteen years or whatever, and like they'd be like, "Oh, you don't want to go to that side of town." And I was like, "What? Like the nice side of town where everyone's like yeah. happy and like <laughs> like their outfits like, are nicer, like, the drinks are better." Fucking yeah. like the douche side of town is like where I had yeah. to play, and it was like, "Well, that's horrible." <laughs> like if I want to calm down, I'll go to that side because everyone's just nice, like and relaxed and having a. Good you mean day. the side of town that had the bar with the Colin Kaepernick jersey st- uh, taped on the mat when you walk in, so that everyone would walk on it? Those accepting folks. Is that which yeah, which yeah. bar was that? I don't even remember. I have no idea okay. the name of it. I never went back there, though. <laughs> That's fair. Dude, thank you for putting up with all this bullshit, AJ. I feel really solid about that. It's fun. It's fun. <laughs> also, same uh, to you, Kat. You know, the funny thing is, is that it's so easy to fall. And when you said the topic of stuff, it's something that I have a friend of mine. She's She and her, her, her partner, they just moved up to Gettysburg. But she's very politically savvy, and she's – you know, she's worried about the the backdraft thing happening. And she said, you know, it's like, unless the next, you know, if Trump gets elected, we're definitely going to see our rights erode, you know, go backwards. She goes, but even if not, things have been put in motion that need to be addressed. Yeah. Um, 
Still a 6-3 majority on the court. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that especially. Yeah. And this, this notion of empowering people. I mean, for years, you know, I was empowered. I was empowered by the last administration, you yeah. know. Again, you know, I got all these great ex-students, and one of them uh, worked in the Obama administration. And when I bumped into him and we were talking and he figured out through the, the hints that I was dropping that, uh, you know, I had a husband kind of thing. And he was just like, so proud. He goes, because man, he goes, we really worked on Obama on getting him up on up to speed on this. He had some, he had some baggage that he brought along with him, some things that were handed to him as a kid Yeah, that we had to mostly help from his religious background. Yep. Yeah. That we yeah. needed to help him unpack. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, he had pictures in his phone that he showed me. He was so proud of when they lit the columns up, you know, rainbow. Oh, columns. yeah. That was awesome. He's like, and he goes, but it was the shortest day of the year because it was, like, <laughs> it was whatever it was in June. It's one of the shortest days of the year. But, yeah, we were so proud of this. And it's like I've been given that acceptance for all these years. And it's made me, you know, real happy. But I realized for the last four years, other people have had been given sort of acceptance to voice their opinion and uh we're going to deal with that fallout for a while because they're not going to want to shut up well the way you the way you phrase that just then i think speaks to the problem is this idea that we have to accept your opinion if your opinion is you don't accept other people and right right, i mean like just that's just the way you phrased it um but that that idea part of the both sides right exactly that's a false equivalency Like, I'm just and not that I was implying you were saying that. I just wanted to point that out. No, no, no. But what I mean is that that's that's going to be their assumption. Right. Yeah. They have been empowered Mm -hmm. to the point where, well, you know, our opinion is just as valid as yours. It's like, nah, it turns out not. Or the (laughs) both sides are wrong like that. That's like Bugs Bunny putting up the duck hunting. We'll just we'll just (laughs) we'll do do mandatory, mandatory gay marriages and we'll just marry them all off and it'll be fine. So. No, if you don't nobody. believe in gay marriages, don't marry another dude. Yeah, right. it turns out. <laughs> dude, my last marriage was terrible. I would marry a guy right now just to watch TV for the next fucking 40 years. Fucking <laughs> marriage is bullshit. That was the biggest thing. Is like, like marriage is horrible. It's a horrible experience. I really like my marriage. Well, you're doing fine. You like <laughs> yeah, the very acceptable rule. Yeah. Really? <laughs> I think fine. the institution I, I think is Matt terrible. Matt is the exception to the rule, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm doing just fine. Seems like AJ is doing great. So, I mean... You know, maybe yeah. it's straight. You're speaking marriage? from your personal yeah. experience. Well, I, have a, I have a straight. Oh, no, it's, it's all. It's it's really good. It's 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 excellent. That's what I mean, I, I, um, I want to know what it is. Like, we'll just woodwork you know, and play music. I, I, I've, been, I've been very, I've been very, you know, um, sort of playing. But it's just so funny, like the experience things you have. So I can remember early in coming out, and we're hanging out somewhere. You know, um, was with uh, might have been Big Yeah, the band I was in. And we were at the centers, but we're all backstage. And we're talking about something. And I just felt empowered enough to say that, you know, yeah, I, I, that was great. I hooked up last night. It was fun. I was safe, but it was fun. It was really cool. And then, uh, you know, I had a beer and I went home. And they are like, all looked at me like, what? Like, yeah, you know, we did our thing. And then I had a beer and I went home. You could do that? That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> you have to stay? Okay. I'm like, well, no, I had to get up the next day, you know. So that that makes me want to put this out there and and I'm going to do this and then if, if BJ here's the edit point. It was right there. Oh, hold on. Okay, in case you need to. There it is. Um, yeah. so one of my one of my favorite memories from you is you got really drunk at a speakers of the house show, AJ, and you came up behind me and you're like, "Hey Matt, 
Why do they call it her ass? Why don't they call it his ass? <laughs> and then you grab my fucking ass and you run off. <laughs> And I was that's like, amazing. that might be the greatest thing that's ever happened to me at a gig in my entire life. Dude, I could, I, I could play off that. I, there, was a, there, was a, there was a dude in QS that was this fucking, he was like the most like manly motherfucker in the world, right? He was a B-52 pilot who was on call and flying like 24 hours a day with nuclear bombs in the airplane. And I was like infatuated. All then, very phallic. Yeah, oh, yeah. that was very phallic. Oh, very phallic. But then he was like... Like, like, then he was like talking about his husband, and I was like, okay. And then he's like talking about how good my calves look when I play. So when he'd come to the shows at Key West, I'd flex the shit out of them. Hell like, yeah, yeah, man, look at that thing. Because <laughs> compliments are awesome. <laughs> I, love, I just, that, that level of. See, but that's the whole. No, go ahead. Go ahead, AJ. Yeah. That, that has to do with being confident in, in, in your masculinity and in, in, in who you are. Like if you're mas- you know, one of the most you. Com- like, yeah. masculine guys that I know, and right as a comfortable is Landis McCord, the singer for the Landis Expanders for the Senators, because that dude can put on a dress, go up in front of a band, you know, lead the band, doesn't face him in the least bit. He's not questioning himself. He's just, you know, it was just like sort of something he would do to shock the audience back in the day, mm-hmm. you know. And Landis wasn't mocking, or you know, he was he would just go out and perform. Yeah. And put on the exact same show and like freak a lot of the audience out, you know, the eight by 10 crowd at the, you know, some of them would be like, there's a dude in a dress on stage. And it's like, (laughs) but he's still like beating the crap out of the drums and singing and doing his thing, you know? And it's like, because he was really comfortable in his masculinity. He didn't need to prove anything. But then that's when it gets fun. Like in, in fucking seventh grade for our like seventh grade, big end of the year dance, I wore heels fucking dress and curls <laughs> did you was, did you have with a your curls you had your hair at that point. my mom did my hair how do you still have my ankles? mom's dress oh, that's really <laughs> that's really adorable but it's like it's like what like what like i don't like who cares like fuck Although, who, like, can, so i yeah. want to ask i, I want to ask your opinion on this bj because i just recently uh, not bj aj <laughs> too many i was gonna say AJ, there's BJ, too many jays yeah. like i got um, a wood shop we can hang out it's good so um i just got to the point in my rock history class where we were talking about the comparison between um so ziggy the ziggy stardust character and then you fast forward to like um boy george from culture club and this sort of acceptance, uh, culture, uh, uh, artistic acceptance of gender bending, and then almost a mocking of it from the glam metal guys in the eight, in the late eighties. At, at least that's the way that I sort of see it, because those guys were hyper masculine. Almost they were chauvinistic, really. Like if you yeah. listen to the lyrical content of those, yeah. oh yeah. Oh. So so can you speak to that at all? Like some sort of turning of the tide, like almost an appropriation of that. Yeah, that's you hit the took the words right out of my mouth. It's an appropriation thing. It's a, you know, you take it and then you twist it to your own. Uh oh, we locked it. They locked it up. No, um, no, we're not frozen. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. We can hear you. Um, they <laughs> twisted, twisted. They just sort of they took it and twisted it to sort of suit their own um, personal biases and baggage and things. Yeah. You know, so they were like. You know, yeah, I like Bowie. Like, and then there's like, you know, I can be outraged. They want to be outrageous, mm-hmm. and it just sort of, it just sort of evolved into this really weird, um, hyper, hyper, hyper masculine, um, feminine. You know, take on femininity, but not you know in any way being feminine. Just at all. shockingly for the so they thought, yeah, right. 
That that that's the way I approach it in the history class. It was just it was it was like a shock. It was a shock value thing, and then it yeah. became somebody had success with it. It became a formula. Then it's a trend. Yeah, yeah. the formula you applied to the blue yeah. jean, you know, um, flannel shirt, not you know, blue jean grunge. t-shirt band. No, the no, not no, no, pre pre grunge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pre grunge. So, yeah, the, the blue jeans, you know, t-shirt, you know, handlebar mustache, yeah. southern rock thing. Um, you then suddenly like somebody makes it by going glammy you know, glam American version of glam rock, because in the, in the, in the UK, there was a lot of glam rock going on. Right. And even, even culture club was, was a UK, that was a British new wave. Yeah. Oh yeah. But then you hit 87, like and, and they couldn't fucking see it. Right. Like 86 is slippery when wet. So that's Bon Jovi. Right. But then 87 is fucking girls, 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 and, uh, poison and, uh, um, fucking uh deaf leopard hysteria and uh th- that first big um guns and roses record what's the, what record is that Destruction. so like and you know they're all fucking makeup and teased and spandex and they're all clearly like buying into this idea like it's shameless and it's promotional i don't know why they thought they were so fucking cool and that people, was it was because everybody in a lot of the clubs in la that's all la it was, like, yeah. it was an la yeah. thing I mean, the thing is, if you go up the road a little bit, you had the queer core, you know, thing happening um, in San Francisco and mm-hmm. a little bit later. But I mean, you know, going a little bit later, you had Pansy Division and the, the queers and all these other bands, yeah, yeah, yeah. much, much, much smaller audience and never making it big. But, you know. Well, then then like you the- had an offshoot of that for the grunge era, like the Breeders, the Veronicas, and all those bands. That- well, there was a counter in that, too, because Nirvana would fucking get on stage and make out with each other yeah. just to fucking yeah. They fucking wore dresses, up. yeah. They, like, they wore like, dresses at that But they were making Rio fun thing, yeah. of hair metal and making fun of the appropriation of gay cult. And also proving they were, like, much more comfortable with themselves than they right. were. Like, yeah. And, you know, yeah, like, make, pushing back, making people uncomfortable. Like and proving that you don't need guitar solos. That was way different than sort of the accepted outrage quotes of yeah. hair metal. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'm going to grow my hair really long and tease it out, and sort right. of put lipstick on. But, you know, obviously in an attempt to look slutty and weird, yeah. You know, it wasn't an attempt to like project a, a character or anything real. It was just weird. And uh, yeah, I'm really weird. I'm so weird that I don't fit in normal society and I'm going to do all this outrageous stuff, but it's all very contrived. Yeah. yeah um, it's, it's not actually weird. It's just like, well, I'm doing this. It's like, if, if it's really for a purpose, it's not weird anymore. It's just like, well, it's so it, funny oh, seeing off. bands like steel Panther now that are like, Oh my God, they're, they're <laughs> doing it, but they're doing it like sarcastically. And yeah. they're like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, there they, was some there was some show about, you know, like how quickly metal sort of just imploded. And it uh, they were talking about the fact that how, you know, like bands were like, what hairspray are you using kind of a thing? You oh, know, totally. Not what guitar pick you're using or what right. amp you're using, but like using the same hairspray or the hairstylist and all this other well, stuff. Well, think about the time, right? So so 68 is the first Zeppelin record, right? And then you get to the early seventies with um, Black Sabbath, our first like claimed heavy metal, heavy metal band, like early nineteen seventies. You fast forward to eighty three, like fucking <laughs> almost fifteen years later, um, and you have nineteen eighty four by Van Halen, which sort of sets the musical archetype for what hair metal is, but still not. They they didn't look like it. They weren't buying into that. They just sounded like that, or they they set what that was gonna sound well, like. Roth was really 
he understood visual impact and he yes. understood playing bigger places and that you needed to have these watches of color. He always wore white gloves. You know, he talked about like Al, you know, the old jazz okay, thing, yeah, yeah. but it was one of those things where, you know, if he's holding, if he's waving his arms around and he's dressed in outrageously bright colors and they didn't really have jumbotrons that really were worth anything back then, you know, he was, he was, Trying to be bigger than life, right? Mm-hmm. But then, mm-hmm. then look at the time frame. So eighty six is slippery when wet. That's living on a prayer. We just skip Queen though. We're just no, 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 skip no, Queen? no, no. Queen wasn't part of glam metal. Like what? What? No, what, but no. What? What? Freddie Mercury was doing was he was in charge of a band that was creating something way bigger than their genre, and just happened to also embrace his like varying elements of sexuality. I can't believe that Queen existed in America and like that that's like the the gayest gay thing that you can ever gay do. Well, and like America was like, "Oh, he probably not likes chicks." I, I, I disagree. Go ahead, AJ. In the beginning, you know, they really played that on the down low. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah, and, yeah. Um, you know, and their first albums weren't that Killer Queen had a little bit of a bump but they did not do really well in America until Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. Right. 75, 1975. That's way late, dude. Yeah, but still like, like in terms of like the, like the, 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 of the world's realization that gay people are all, they're here. Like we're, we're all, we're all together in this thing. Like for 75, like, Freddie was was Freddie Mercury? Did was he like portrayed as straight at the time, or like yeah, what how, was how, how that? Yeah, much was the sexuality like put out there in the? the no, public? no, he he actually never went on record in an interview saying anything other than he was just playing around. Like, yeah. right, right? Am I wrong about that? Age yeah, no, no. And he, you know, he was not like out and proud. He and was an icon. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. I think there was the a lot of criticism of the biopic. Also, was like that recently came out that was oh, like that the was revisionist like history that it was like a lot more. Portrayed the that was all behind like the scenes though that wasn't who he was out yeah. front yeah go go and, ahead and Andrew. that notion of like when somebody accuses him of it and he's got the glasses on and he's just kind of sitting back and right. he's trying to deny it you know that's showing the inner turmoil of what happens somebody who's so public and you know as they become more popular it's harder to keep the secrets right, right? when you're when you're not doing well in America and you know you're touring and you can do well but I mean you're not your album like the first couple Queen records didn't go gold until, you know, late after, late, yeah. yeah, late 1970s. That's absolutely right. right. They were it was their their career was revisionist, like all of it was, man. Right. And my po- they toured other parts of the world where they did really well, where either it, it just wasn't, it didn't, tra- it translated right. differently. Um, so they they made their money on like. I think Asian tours, if I remember correctly. Yeah, also the the U.S. market. Okay, this we're way off topic right now, but this is the thing I have (laughs) to know about. No, this is fun. My point was David Lee Roth had to have been influenced by Freddie Mercury. (laughs) Well, hold on, hold on. Fuck David Lee Roth. The U.S. market does this weird thing. So, '64, the Beatles appear on the Ed Sullivan Show. Right, the U.S. market is like, give me all your British bands, all the way up until like 1971. Uh, 1971, we see this like weird dip and and this push for U.S. bands. And then if you look, the fucked up thing about the U.S., if you look for what was popular in the U.S. in the mid to late 70s, it was fucking disco. We wanted 
culturally accepting music. We just didn't know what it, the fuck it was. <laughs> and then not until like 1983 with the second British invasion did we st- like culture club and fucking all the new wave stuff and all this gender bending identity stuff. Do we start to accept that shit well, again? Roxy, Roxy music yes, and all that. Exactly. Band. Like you can, you can track that by album sales and, and, and play, you know, like airtime and everything. I'm sorry, so, Kat. Go well, I was going to say, if you had to pick a year or a few years where that started changing, when would it be? Okay, so it transitions at multiple times. But you can see from like 71 to 75, which is Bohemian Rhapsody, um, you see this decline in this appetite for British bands. And we in the U.S., anytime we run out of music that we like, we just look to people of color. So... R and B shot up. I want the 70s. that one now. Yeah. Give me that no. one, Daddy. Like look at look at look at fucking Motown in the mid sixties. So we lost at the, the death of rock and roll is fifty nine. From sixty to sixty five, we looked to R and B because it was okay to listen to black music by then. Right. And so we start giving them some money, or at least the fucking record companies. I'm getting real been out. I know. Right now. I was <laughs> trying to rein it in. Wait, wait. What do you teach again? I just, <laughs> fuck you guys. Go well, ahead. Part of the reason I asked this Adjunct. is I, I forget where I heard this, but I remember being taught at some point that, like, if you look at, I guess, census data, I don't know, in the 50s, like, supposedly there were no gay people in the, the 50s. Right. Right? Well, I mean, if and you, so, if you like, fill out that circle, what happens to you? Like, Nothing good, I assume, right? Yeah. Like, it's the fucking 50s. Right. Like, well, and, so, and then suddenly, like, things start changing. And so you have to think about how many people existed in different time frames that could not be honest about who they were. Right. And, like, was it something cultural like music that either allowed people to be themselves and hide or to allow people to express themselves and be real? Exactly. And there's kind of weird correlations with that because I think, People can relate to music in a way they can't relate to a lot of other things. And, and I talk about that in my history class. And AJ, you already mentioned it. Like, so David Bowie spoke words that, that gave people some confidence. But then think about like 77 to 1980. Like the fucking everything about the disco movement was like, we're going to embrace alternative gender cultures. But then... The fucking record. Okay, I'm getting weird. All right, well, no, like, the record company. Hold on, the record okay. companies decided they can make money off of it. But if you look at it, there's this weird correlation between like fucking song tempos and the length of songs and the, the like. So 120 beats a minute yep. became mm-hmm. this like weird industry standard. Like they tried to make all these songs be really recognizable and immediately accessible. Um, so they appropriated the elements of disco culture that had its own life standardization yeah. and just looked to make it recognizable <laughs> and monetary, monetarily. So what you're saying is capitalism changes exactly. everything. <laughs> so then well, it loses its, but it loses its ability to feel authentic. And then in 1980, Black shirts with white letters that says disco sucks is the coolest thing you can have on. Right. Listening to the fucking Ramones to and the, the Yeah, the Ramones yeah. or the Sex Pistols, that's how you're different, right? But we, like that disco culture was incredibly alternative. We just it just got fucked in the ass by money. Like fucked in the And John Travolta. Way. Yeah. Well, a little bit yeah, that. Yeah, it, it, it gets swallowed whole. I mean, you know, oh. it happens to it hap- you watch each it's interesting, like which, and you would probably know better than us, Matt, which sort of eras lasted, had any like longer lasting where it would stay true to its its roots. Yeah. Like, um, 
you know, the the uh, the punk movement um, or like the metal movement, the, especially the hair metal part of it, really quickly lost its way. Right. And the interesting thing about that is you can tie elements of the shit. So let's talk about let, let me back up. Well, to wait, the hold on. Like, any, any like new like any like. All right. So like. Let's just use Nirvana as an example because it's the best example that I can think of. Like the, the band that comes in, the changes- literally your only example. Well, yeah, but it's like the best example of like a paradigm shift. Have right? you heard like- any other records? No, I don't care about this. You need to buy you some other records. That's fine. Um, what was it? Yes, was that the band you were talking about the other day? Yeah, yeah. fuck yes, and fuck you for bringing them up. <laughs> Seventy. Fuck you suck. for not liking yes. Yeah, um, thank you. But Josh. like the point of that is like like a, a band comes in with like a new sound that just fucks the system up. Right, the paradigm mm-hmm. shifts, and everything else is like, well, we're doing that now. So like you have the good one and then you have the rest of them that's just like I, I feel like is there is that not anything that happened with like well, every you know, but if Go you ahead. look at the if you look at the Seattle scene thing you know everybody ran to to Seattle to start signing yeah. bands and then you had people who were not authentic you know taking off their spandex and rushing out to buy a flannel Alice shirt. in chains. It's been a while. <laughs> no, 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 you're right, dude. And and so the you shout out Alice in chains. So if you look if you look at the yeah, bands that actually exist, if you look at the bands that actually there weren't a lot of bands that actually existed in that space. It was a, I mean imagine if you know Baltimore had blown up back when I was playing music, you know, in it and I know all these bands and there was a Baltimore sound. If it had blown up Thank God it didn't first of all, but <laughs> I'm just saying is like there were only so many bands. Right, right. Only, and and not all of them were good, you know? Well, no, and so we <laughs> we, we not good. Don't be raising your hand. <laughs> Fuck that. So so I want to speak to <laughs> we're going way off the rails I right so now. Much, yeah. I will, I'm going to admit that Kat just called me out for turning this into a music history but it totally does. <laughs> this ties into sexuality. I dare Hold say on. That, but I got to talk no, shit about Nirvana. Buckle up. You're like, Hold on, but, but, like no. no. Whoa. Hold on, hold on. But like the point of this is like music drives culture and like right. yes, that's like, so fucking true. The openness of gay culture like is allowed because of people like Freddie Mer- like like they paved the fucking way. Elton John, Liberace, fucking just getting out there just you're right. Presenting the thing. No? And and what Beethoven. You got to realize Beethoven. I will take a little exception on the Elton John thing because he held on to those. He he barricaded those closet doors for a long, long time. Long, yeah. Even into the nineties, right? It wasn't even. Oh, way, way later. Past, way later. Way past the point when everyone had already figured it out. Right. We're all right with it. He's like, "What are you like, talking we about?" We already know. <laughs> no, everything's fine. I was just like, "But hold on, let me let me let me reference this point with the point you made." Princess Diana was a princess. <laughs> Calm down. Um, so there is this element of authenticity, right? That's what we're kind of speaking to, at least in the sense of appropriation of culture. That's what we're talking about. Nirvana. uh, I have to, I have to get you with this one. Oh, it's fine. They were on fucking sub pop. Yeah. They released an album in 89 in the midst of the grunge world when it was the real thing and not MTV world. That shit sunk to the bottom because it was nobody good, wanted it. But that's because Chad Channing was on no, it, and we know what happened with Dave Grohl joined the band. Hold, I, talking I, about I'm talking Bleach? about Bleach. Bleach yeah. did relatively well. No, it did not. Forty thousand copies in two years. At that time, that's a fucking failure. Uh, bass, player, bass player, hold, hold, not, bass player, bass player. Not, 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 not for an album that you spend five hundred dollars on. Yes, right. So yeah. here's right. the deal. Correct. Here's the deal. And and they didn't have. Um, Dave, Dave Grohl, yeah. yes, so, but yeah. let me give and you some perspective. Hold on, this let me give is, you no, some this perspective. Because These the drummer makes important. the band, you bass playing bitch. <laughs> let me give you some perspective here. Um, so they leave Sub Pop. They go to Butch Vig, who is a pop producer. 
They recruit. They they make. Never mind. What are you leaving out? By December. Hold on. What whatever. Fucking Dave Grohl. Big fucking deal. That's the biggest difference in the whole thing. He says himself. Deal. He says himself that he had very little to do, to do with Nevermind. Yeah, he played Chad Jennings parts, but you know what? Cat, are you bored yet? No, I actually find this kind of fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 I'm to take our shirts yeah. off. Yeah. Hold on. I will fight you on that Harley Davidson. I have a couple numbers. Let me throw these numbers out. Hold on. Dave Grohl and what? Hold on. Dave Grohl joins the band because they're so important. And Sound City and millions of dollars and David Geffen. Right. Yes. Exactly. Right. They produce a pop record, which is never mind. With who? Who gives a fuck? Dave this, motherfucking this speaks to the point you're making of lack of authenticity. They produce a pop record which nobody in Seattle fucking liked. And by December of nineteen ninety one Nobody is a stress. Nah, stretch. You're right, I feel you're like right. they I'm being a dick with- now. They were selling <laughs> hold on with the lights Let's out, you're accurate. an asshole. Four hundred thousand copies a week of what by that point. Of never mind. Yeah. A pop record. Wanna know why? Because it was a better band because of the drummer. No, it was the producer. It was the producer. <laughs> was it? No, no. It was I, the drummer. But Chad Channing sucks. That's the difference. The whole point. That, of- I mean, that's that whole thing about, you know, what makes, you know, to be successful. You know, I always tell kids, you know, you can find, I know all these amazing guitar players, um, but what makes it the ones who, who makes it through? And there were gatekeepers back then. Yeah. You know, you couldn't, it was really almost impossible unless you could get one of these gatekeepers to open the gate for you and at least give you access to the great beyond. Yep. Um, you know, in this case it was David Geffen um, and uh, you know, and his, and his record company and then Butch Fig and all that, but it was yeah. Geffen. You know, so it's like, you know, the thing that nobody ever talks about cause it doesn't make a good behind the scenes thing is like, you know, well, really it was my lawyer, Morty. Right. You know, who, <laughs> right. Management. Who, who, who signed me a decent deal, you know, and told me not to sign this one. Well, and you know. somebody somewhere looked at some data and they were like, it looks like hair metal's on its way out. <laughs> You're <laughs> probably going to need a different version of rock and roll now, which is what fucking actually well, it's It's funny if like... Sure. <laughs> I'm so the, condescending right now. <laughs> I'm being BJ currently. Somebody help me. <laughs> You're finally making good points. Congratulations. Oh, Listening you to you. Shut the fuck up. Except for I'm the gonna get thing Christian yet. to murder you in your sleep because he's got that look. Wait, wh- what? <laughs> he makes you sharp as fuck too. Um, what's funny? Uh, God damn it! I lost my point. Um, yeah, there you go. In Nirvana, your face. Dave Grohl. Uh, your giant penis. I don't know. What do you have to say? It's not right that now? big. It's like normal size. <laughs> Wait, nor- that's not normal. Size. What you see out of me is just like pure confidence. <laughs> like, like, what's the average? Like five inches. That's right, all chemical. Right yeah, it's all right, chemical right, at there. this point. But if you push down a little bit, it gets a little bit. I'm, I'm getting like uncomfortable. We guys. may have, we may have veered off course. I feel like I know so much more about BG right now. <laughs> We're learning. I'm learning more about you than you know. Oh yeah, it's fine. Oh, cat's here. Two inches. You know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you're just undershooting. Yeah, that's yeah, what you're yeah, doing. Yeah. I get it. You know, Mi- micro penis. <laughs> you just gotta like if you if you if you all the expectations go down, everything goes up. That's your new nickname, man. Dude, AJ. First of all, thank you so fucking much, dude. Thank this you so much. We're a lot to put up with. I like how it's sort of veered around. I like you have this topic that then you kind of ignore the topic and just <laughs> talk about whichever way it goes. Oh yeah, that's what we meant to do. Yeah, but you get past that was totally by design. It's like party time. Well, we. Uh, no, I'm not gonna go. There. You what? Well, uh, what? Say uh, some curse oh, words yeah, and yeah, make your point, yeah. Christian. Curse words. What? What? 
I don't know. You know, I was going to, you know, go into the big picture <laughs> philosophical, uh, you know, aspects of it. You know yeah. what? You know what? All right. Here's, here's how we're going to end this episode. Christian and I are going to do a speed round with AJ. Okay. About, about woodworking. About oh, woodworking. So that yeah. none of the... Re- okay. Can I just say thank you to both AJ and Cap, people that I know and respect who are hanging out with us today. The second <laughs> part you. being the exception. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, Cat. Hi. Do you have more to say? I'm just enjoying you guys doing your thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think Cat's welcome anytime. Honorary, yeah. honorary host. Well, also, so she balances out our, like, we're just so dude. Why were, where are we all four dudes? Can we fix that? Well, why is why is all the estrogen on one side of the table? You mean me and Cat? Me and Cat? Is that what you mean? I'm going to say that, that that means that BJ is the only testosterone in the, the equation here. No, you're you're 50. percent You're in the middle. You're neutral. Yeah, He's neutral. You okay. know what's funny though is like all right, so like there's this like masculine perception of like like I apparently I just like this fucking no it's your words yeah but like all that comes off me is like nascar guns and that's that's whatever but like there's there's more yeah let's there's hear your feelings puzzle. where are your feelings at I got a lot. there's you, layers you, upon you, layers of body hair yeah but he's, he's like just still <laughs> under the body hair <laughs> like but when you peel an onion there's just more onion underneath like i don't know why we think that's a good example <laughs> It's the same <laughs> shit all the way down. That's fresher, more confident onion. <laughs> layers. It's layers. Uh, okay, speed round. <laughs> yeah, speed, speed round. Oh, hold on. Uh, Great idea. You're really nailing this. Well, no, I got I to think about it for a second. Um, Saw stop, yes or no? Yes. I agree because I still have my thumb and it's over there. <laughs> <laughs> I work. I, I can top that. I work with middle school kids on table saws. Saw stops are like a godsend. Dude. I'm going to give you a different answer, but yes. And How often no. do they trigger it? Is it like all the time or is it like? Um, I've got a drawer with like seven of them. But it's normally how, things like they'll they'll hit something metal. I was going to say, yeah. how many times is it like it. wet wood or metal or static discharge? Yeah. There, I mean, it's, it's like I still have a thumb. I, I had one day where I was just sawing too much stuff and I made a mistake. And I was not thinking, you know, it was like a million of the same thing in a row and one was a little smaller and my thumb went right into the fucking blade and then it wasn't there and all I had was a little blood and I was, I wrote them immediately. I was like, hey guys, I'm a drummer and thank you because I still have my thumb. So really hard to drum with that. Well, one of the things whenever I talk to all the parents, you know, I have to do like these parent talks. The first thing I do is I go like this. I've been teaching woodworking for 30 whatever years now. Ta-da. <laughs> For those of you listening, which would be everybody, yeah, he's, he's holding up his hands. Right nine now. fingers he's got. BJ's just showing he never went to school all the way because he can't count. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to take, news. This, it's take ten. this back it's ten. real quick. Wait, wait, Hold wait, on, okay. wait. Cat's up. Well, so going back to the whole being a teacher aspect of things, when you're dealing with students, does it ever come up in conversation about dealing with gender identity or sexuality or anything like that from a schooling perspective? Like, is that something that's addressed or is it kind of ignored? Oh, in yes. That context we, too? We, we sort of wrestle with it all the time. I mean, like, it's funny. One of my coworkers, my younger coworker um, said, oh, you know, you always I noticed you always managed to mention your husband. I'm like, yes. I, I do that on purpose. It's Normalized. it's something I do to normalize it. And, you know, even still to this day, there's that little before I say it, because right. I have all of the back baggage to deal with, you know, but I will just 
mention something and talk about, oh yeah, my husband, blah, blah, you know, because all the other teachers, because, you know, at a private school, you're encouraged to bring your whole self to the table. You know, right. teachers are talking about their kid did, you know, they'll work anything to make the shtick happen, you know? So if you're talking about, some people will talk about their kids learning to read or whatever. Um, so I will mention, yeah, my husband, you know, um, and just, I make sure I do it every, not every class, but to every group of kids that I teach, you know, I will casually throw it in there. Um, cause it's like something to normalize because somewhere there could be a kid sitting there thinking I'm the only person there's no, you know, and then, I could be, you know, just yeah, having yep. that little flare of little, little flash of light. Break that silence. Right. Well, that's the thing too, with like, like I brought this up with you a couple of times is like, if you know something about something or you just like, like to normalize an experience and to like make someone feel better about it or to like provide like a, like an expert opinion of whatever the thing, like, like the worst thing you could do is to say nothing. Like, well, that's, yeah. that's what yeah, he was yeah, saying yeah. earlier. Well, silence. Yeah, silence is really I, damaging yeah. if, if, if kids knew or had heard that they're, you know, I heard that Mr. Howard is gay. I heard, if I don't say yeah, he anything. he fucking told us in class. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah whatever. Right. <laughs> I just happened, and I just mentioned it. You know, and I'll even go so far as to say I will sort of always make a point to talk about the fact that art isn't just something you can do for fun. Yeah. Whether yeah. it be music or Another painting, thing, whatever. Yeah. That I always try to bring up the fact, like, I have friends who make their living you know, Matt, I've mentioned you in class. Like, um, do you want to be said, a failed bass player? <laughs> I have a friend that can help you out. <laughs> no, a you know, talking about how, so, so for like, for, uh, for one of the things, um, like I'll, that clip of you guys playing Spanish Moon um, at um, Micoche's that oh, yeah, I, yeah. I love, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, you know, like I'll, I use that as part of my, when I'm talking about guitar building, you know, and I'll talk about, oh, yeah, these guys are all like professional. That's what they do for a living. They make this what they get to do all the time. You know, um, I don't talk about the, the loading in and loading out or, you know, <laughs> you know, the fact that like here, here's your happy meal, you know, split that up among the four of you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. No, that is a good point. And actually, I, I feel like and that does kind of parlay into this talk about sexuality, this idea that, um, there is no, there's not an on and off switch. There's not an on, on and off switch to a career in art. There's not an on and off switch to how you feel about yourself as a, a you know, sexually or, or individually or any of those things. Everything is a fucking spectrum. It's all gray area. And, and it's ridiculous that it's taken this long culturally for us to be okay with that and for that to be part of the discussion, or at least in my opinion. I'm going to re reiterate what you just said again. Is like like certain things you have to normalize them. Like I grew up with an uncle who was a professional drummer. Therefore, the idea of being a professional drummer was normalized to me. So whenever I meet a right. young drummer or like a kid, it's like, dude, you could, this is a thing that exists. You can do this. Like, like people see my wood shop. They're like, oh, this is impossible. It's like, no, you just fucking just do it. I'm doing it. And then you're yeah. a professional AJ yeah. and you just happen to have a husband and be gay. And right. that's just it's a fashion. normal fucking yeah. thing. The, the more you speak we're about all, the things that we're complex people, you know, you're not mm -hmm. just a woodworker. You're not just a drummer. You're not just, you know, all the things that you are, we have all these multifacets. And so I always try to, show kids that you can be all kinds of things, yep. you know, you can be, you know, a, you know, a kid at this school and play in a band, or you can, 
paint or you can make stuff or you can write or you can be really into math. You know, it doesn't matter. Just find things that are interesting and goof around with them, you know, and see where it takes you. You know, you don't have to have a, a plan all laid out. Be have all sorts of different interests and all sorts of different things that you can do, you know. And also know that you're like, you, like the, the thing that I had to come to grips with, like as an artist that made money as an artist that like I built my life around doing what I wanted is to respect my own fucking opinion at a certain point. Like nobody ever really like, like you have to earn that from yourself. You have to earn the fact that you know enough about you to like do the thing you're doing. No, there's some truth in that. Yeah, you're right. Even for those of us who are crippled with self doubt. <laughs> well, I, like, but I am too. Like, like that's not like, no, a, like I a, know, yeah. but you, that you doesn't pre- go away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you, you, but like in, in that yourself, moment, just like, then you, you projected, man, um, uh, self-confidence. And I will say that in the midst of me balancing part of me that isn't that way, I do know that I know what the fuck I, I do. I, I I can do something, and that I know I don't that know you know that you know what you're yeah, doing. Yeah. You're coy with there, me. That's why I throw darts at you all day. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but there are some things that I figured out how to do in 41 fucking years, yep. and I'll I'll hold that. I'll hold that. That's a real thing, even in my insecurities. And I think that again, I, I don't mean to to oversimplify stuff, but I think that leads also to this idea of who you are as a person, both sexually and intellectually and all that stuff is just some element of trusting in believing what it is that you are, which also comes from being just reinforced. trusting you. Yeah. yeah reinforced it has to be reinforced. Dude, to, to, uh, like a child that's reinforced is the greatest thing the world has to offer. Like, yes. Like which a child Aiden, is Sam, yeah. let's just fucking, we're going to murder all the other humans. <laughs> just you guys. Phoenix, what you got to do is beat, Aiden and Sam no, as no, quickly no. as possible. Beat Phoenix, <laughs> whatever you do. You buy but, the but biggest Camaro with the nicest and, engine. And then, and then say, like, excuse me, whenever you walk past. Yes, yes. And <laughs> you two are the worst. <laughs> You're right. We are the worst. No, our kids are going to be the worst. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> I feel like Kat had something sensible to say for yeah. like a second there. And then we like railroaded past it. Yeah, there was just like, like parading. Oh, no, it's, just, it's just me being can like, Can I just say like 15 happening? points that I wanted to say and no, you guys would not be getting a word in otherwise. Shut up and go away. No, what okay. It's Christian talk. I'm going to pivot to Christian right now. Go. Well, no, now now it's the pressure's on. Oh, like the, the natural Why element of what I was going to say. Is you like, always do this thing like, this guys, you never listen to what I have to say. And they're like, all right, say it. And you're like, Guys, why do you always make me say things? Like, how? You can't fucking have both of those. He can be his own person however he wants. Cat, shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) You chauvinist motherfucker. (laughs) No, I I, I think that's a lifelong challenge, though. But is that just that I have these, you know, thoughts and I just don't know when to interject them or I'm. Well, if you guys. You have five unopened beers in front of you. No, I'm going to say you guys, like here who at the table with me, audience. Listen back. Listen to how many times there was like ah 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 ah, and I, that I didn't BJ's actually get to edit that thought. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I don't yeah, edit no, anything yeah. actually. <laughs> no, he BJ does not edit. What, what anything. nobody knows is these no, episodes. No, but that's that's me being a quiet mouse. If you've listened to the episode where I earned the drunk stick, I let that <laughs> he whole motherfucker fly. <laughs> he does not edit anything out. <laughs> You were oh, now you're looking at me like I'm going to no, say No, I know, because you were just giving him a look, Christian. That's what we need to edit in, is describing the faces you give all of us. We'll try to do that. Try okay, to describe right the now, face I'm giving. Okay, you're looking at me all smug and stuff. Smug? <laughs> like you have thoughts that are better than mine. I mean, I know that they are, but I want to know what well, they are. Well, I didn't are. say that. I know you didn't have to. Your eyes did. Nah. 
AJ, cool. how you feeling AJ, about that? Yeah, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're gonna. Bore I sense, I'm sensing ours. a little bit of tension here. I'm seeing a little <laughs> Listen, listen, I can't help it. Like, Christian this is, is like hanging out with a rock band, like in the dressing yeah, room. I know, right? Yeah, it's Christian the is the prettiest you know, one in the band. Christian is the prettiest. And, and you realize, like, oh, it isn't all like all fun and you know games, and there's <laughs> all this tension in the band. Come on, don't break up, guys. Oh, You're don't like, worry. Oh, yeah. I, the best part Except about there's no show. The best exactly. Part, the best part about a good long tour is when you get back to like, how was it? It's like, I it was, was fucking I almost awful. Fucking killed those motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Every tour, somebody always brings their fucking girlfriend. She does not get to ride in the van. Kick her ass out. Oh, we didn't have that issue. Oh god. Oh, Actually, you were in no, Qatar. Dude, we had, we had a, no. Were. We had a point where like uh, my my girlfriend at the time was like, I want to come, and I was like. You can't share no. my you can't share my seat. That's my seat to sleep on, and yeah. I just can't have that. Plus, so we're you're gonna have to stay home. All right. So, did you guys have PFWs? What the fuck is that? Pre fart warnings. No. In the van, you no. didn't. No, dude. Best thing ever. Fucking vicious motherfuckers. Nikki and Scott were like they're like the Walmart of humans. They were just sitting in the front seats. <laughs> okay, you you wanted to know when my looks are of judgment. <laughs> Right now, is I'm that. not looking at you, Christian. <laughs> Shut up! Well, I, no, I can no, feel no, no. I'm looking at, at you. That. Yeah, because because I'm nice enough to be in a band that had PFWs. Fuck you! No, man. dude. The best thing is I go all the way in the backseat, right? And I would like I would feel it coming, and I just kind of like let it go. And you you'd almost watch the green cloud. Yeah, like, like that's float why you forward, give a PFW. And you'd see asshole. you'd see people. Like, I'm pretty sure telling people that they're going to suffocate doesn't make it better. No, a PFW, you give, it's a pre-fart warning. To open the windows. Open the, yes, thank you. But if you. Brown. I feel like the sound is the PFW. No, that's a post-fart warning, you asshole. Backseat, you like, blankets can mask the whole thing. Okay, that's just the FW. It's the fart horn. Here's the deal. What's way worse than that is that every 15-passenger van seat has the ability to hold a fart for like 700 years. Oh, dude. So <laughs> you, you, pull up, you pull up to a festival gig. It's an archaeological dig at a certain point. You get to a festival gig the night before you play, and everybody's like, all right, we'll get a little bit of sleep here. And then you lay down, and your fucking drummer's farts are buried oh, into dude. the seat. When you lay down on it, they just express into your face. I got to fuck with Jimmy Chicken for a second. Their van, like... Like there's something out of a well. It's like a well-seasoned steak. Like a van that's been on the road for just way too long. That fucking van. I swear to God, you can push the seats and like you just see like the. It's all green. It's like a breath. Comes you can out. light like, oh, it on fuck. fire. All yeah. that methane. Uh, yeah. Herpes. Fucking. Oh, it's just mostly herpes. Yeah. You're right. We are ending my, this episode. My bigger thought on that is no, in my big thoughts that you guys want me to say. say I think I saw. Oh yeah, AJ, you're a guest. Yeah. Go ahead, Christian. I want Christian. See, I thought was going to say our, something. Our right. guest acknowledges and pays attention. And he's we not even do too. The... You just shit on us. Anyway, <laughs> point B. Uh, my it my bigger thought on that is in my, my oh god, I'm going to be pessimistic about this, but my my observation of human nature is, uh, you know, how many years have humans been uh, civilized and and uh, you know interacting, and we still can't accept the fact that we build up gas in our bodies and fart. I totally, that's the point of a pre-fart warning, Christian. No, you no, accept no, no. it and you save your fellow man. Yeah, you, that's you being civil. I would have appreciated a warning that, before BJ belched directly into the microphone. I know, that was on purpose. I think there's these, these little glimpses into, <laughs> the, into human nature that, that uh, my pessimistic view, suggest... Uh, Open another know, beer, it'll You've help. never been stuck in a van with four horrible people and, or stopped, seven. It, and stopped at Popeye's. I was a hippie. Stopped at Popeye's 
and like the next half hour is the worst half hour that your life. No, I, will I, ever I, 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 I get, <laughs> I get the idea of being trapped in 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 a confined space with with somebody else's. He know, knows how me. I, I am, I am OCD. I understand that the fact is that, that is that it's little particles of human feces yeah. that are entering the air and entering your nostrils, your body, fecal entering yes. your body. That, that, you know, I get the the gross aspect of that, but the point is, is that it's it's natural, it's human. If we can't, how, how natural do you feel about that? If I fart at your face well, right now, bigger picture. Oh, can you, know, you say that louder? I if, want my if, wife if to we, hear. If we, if we, if we <laughs> can't right accept the, the natural human aspect of uh, it. Of, this, of, this, okay, so how did how did so it go from sexuality and music to well, farts in it, your mouth? I'm bringing it like so naturally, sexuality and music leads to farts in your mouth. Right? Nobody. It's a great unifier. Yeah, you're right. I'm bringing it back to that idea that you know our lack of accepting of human. Nature. That, don't pretend to be intellectual now. Oh, that was a <laughs> judgy right. eyebrow. Listening audience, oh. it just gave me the highest high eyebrow. Like he arched that shit. It hit something. It actually left his face and went above. <laughs> like I just got to go now to watch the, the most murder. judgmental look. The specter of his judgment went above his head. <laughs> this <laughs> dude, AJ. Thank you, man. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. It's been fun. He's clearly Except eating a meal now. now. You've He's obviously raised the bar of, of this. Hey, uh, I got one too. What do you got? Oh, you enjoying the meal? Me? All right, all right. All You're right. not going to fart in your microphone already. <laughs> Thank God you're no, on No, I Zoom. like this. Mi- I have to put my mouth on this microphone. So I think no. I think we can call this one. Christian? I think that's it. That's the, the he- you know. The heavy uh, sigh. The sigh of... Uh, do I really have to do that? Oh, you wait, got wait, you shut the fuck up and say it. No, wait, I can't wait, wait, do both of those. I missed a thing last time. AJ, thank you for coming. Cat, this, this has been a thank you for having me, Doctor oh, Cat. Cat. Yeah, <laughs> Cat, you're like normal now. I don't like really thank you anymore. You're just like part of the thing. Every like yeah, tenth episode. Fine. That means I have to come for eight more episodes. Yeah, in a row. Good night, motherfuckers. <sighs> Hello, dear listener. Don't forget to rate this podcast and review the show on your platform of choice. And I guess follow them on social medias. The handle's Med for Dead on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell a stranger. They'll know what you're talking about. They love reading all your comments and questions, so keep them coming. They'll enjoy them. Thanks for listening, I guess. That I fucking hate you!